Hey everybody, before we get started with the Min Max Show podcast, I wanted to let you know that you can check out another Eden, The Cat Beyond Time and Space. It's available on Steam now. It's a JRPG from Masato Kato, the writer for Chrono Trigger, writer and director for Chrono Cross. Another Eden is a time-traveling story set across a vast world with several different time periods, and it also has the obligatory frog hero in it, who is named Cyrus, very interestingly. The game has a live orchestrated soundtrack with over 60 songs, and the main theme was composed by Yasunori Mitsuda, my favorite composer of all time who composed Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross, Xeno gears. It's so great to hear new music from them. So if you're interested, you can check out another Eden, the Capion Time and Space on Steam, or you can follow the link below, bit.ly slash minmax if you want a direct link. Welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Jeff Marquia Fava. Hello. Serial Vasquez. Hello. And Jana Garcia. What's good? What is good? Um, how's it feel? Is it all just kind of normal for you now to be a cohort here at MinMax? Yes. It's like literally like I've been doing this for my whole life. <laughs> I was born here. And you'll die day. here, Janet. Born Anyways, welcome everybody. Uh, we have a lot of fun stuff to go over today. Uh, we're talking about E3 2021. It's back, y'all. Everyone's excited. We'll explain what that actually means. Uh, we'll finally talk about Outriders. I don't think we talked about the beta or anything, but this is the new uh, co-op focus. People can fly Square game. Uh, then Kyle Hilliard's going to join us. We're going to talk about Oddworld Soulstorm a bit, and then some recent gems or just new releases on the Apple Arcade store, which have been interesting, more interesting than you'd think. Um, before we start, I want to, I want to let everybody know that uh, Trivia Tower, which is our video game trivia competition for the community. We do it once a month. And the next episode of Trivia Tower is happening Monday, April 12th at 7 p.m. Central. And we're going to be joined by a very special co-host for this episode, uh, Kelsey Lewin from the Video Game History Foundation. She was on the podcast not too long ago talking about Pokemon. Uh, she was on the deepest dive for Animal Crossing a while back. Um, Janet, I think you know her a bit. Um, she is, I think, the smartest, <laughs> has maybe like the most encyclopedic knowledge of games because she also uh, runs Pink Gorilla Game Store in Seattle. So she just knows everything. And that combined with like video game history knowledge, she's going to be an amazing co-host. I can't wait. So uh, Trivia Tower, if you aren't familiar with it, it is a trivia competition that takes place in MinMax's Discord. So if you support us on Patreon at any tier, you get access to the Discord where you compete, you buzz in with answers. Um, starts out with as many people that are in there. If you get an answer right, you move on to the next floor. There are five floors. Last person standing wins an Astro A50 wireless headset, which retails for like $300. And uh, there's also game codes depending on which floor you get to. So it's an awesome way to support us, test your knowledge of video games, and win some great prizes. Um, and this is the thing. It's like you're probably still uncomfortable with the idea of pub trivia. I know some people are getting vaccinated, but it's still a ways off. And what, you go to the pub, you got to buy a bunch of beer and french fries and nonsense and put up with, you know, a bunch of questions about physics and, you know, boring adult stuff. This is the real test for your video game knowledge. So if you support us, even at that $2 tier, you can jump in and compete on Monday, April 12th at 7 p.m. Central. Trivia Tower plug over. Uh, Jeff, um... I don't know if you followed it, but last week uh, there were the rumblings 
that, hey, E3's maybe returning, some confusion about, is this thing gonna be behind a paywall? What does that mean? Uh, then the ESA got out there and said, no, for the love of God, no, it's not. Um, and they actually announced this week that E3's back, right? Uh, <laughs> the crowd goes mild. I don't know. Jeff, how plugged in were you to like the, the resurgence of E3 here? Um, not super plugged in. I, I saw, I saw them say, I, uh, God, what, what was their, their exact messaging was like, we've, we're listening to the future. And so we're, we're taking E3 into the future. And it's like, yeah, okay. You guys. It'll royal us if we don't do this at this point. And we have to have one because we're the ESA. It's so there, a lot of the messaging is really interesting. They, so there's a lot of messaging here. One bit about the future is to say, this year's event will be a reimagined and hyper-engaged digital experience, <laughs> paving the way for so much more in 2022 and beyond. And then elsewhere in the press release, I believe they say that, the quote, the ESA looks forward to coming back together to celebrate E3 2022 in person. In the meantime, see you online this June. So they say that June uh, 12th through June 15th, they will be having live streams. They say they'll be having press conferences and they have early commitments from. All right, let's let's rattle it off. We got Nintendo. We got Xbox, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, Take-Two Interactive, Warner Brothers, games coke media coach i'm always confused about that and basically just embrace your group just call it that at this point um and more to come um is the way they phrase it where's everybody's hype level at for e3 2021 uh, i'm tired of online events <laughs> yeah i mean i'm glad that there's not they're not doing in person like i know gamescom is doing hybrid which i am not a fan of that Ooh. concept um just because i think it's too early like vaccinations are happening but you know we can easily undo the good things that have been done and historically we have so that that you know fills me with fear so I, i'm glad at least that it is a safe event but um and you know i i guess i take this over and having nothing because like something is inherently somewhat better than nothing unless <laughs> it's something's like i don't know reductive or sure takes away from anything but um yeah I, something about it being online just it just loses some of the simmer i think the other issue that ends up being too is like so many other um whether it's like gaming outlets or just other conferences like jeff keely summer of gaming or gaming summer game fest yeah they, they all have like the same it's variant of the mess. same name right uh yeah like it just becomes sort of like we get a lot of little things now and nothing's really the big thing anymore. So um, I still think if I had to bet money on it, online E3 will probably still have the like most interesting news of the events that we see just because historically they have had that in yeah. the past. But it's not as exciting as like having it be the actual thing. And we all know that E3 has kind of been on a downspin the last few years anyway. So it's just sort of like cool, but not like, you know, I'm not moved to tears over the <laughs> announcement or anything. Well, they try to like really build the hype up with a big tweet about it. They say, sign up for updates below and get hyped for the return of the most exciting show in video gaming. They're really trying to build this as like, we're back, baby. This is going to be the place to be, which like the publishers they have on board are solid, are really interesting. Obviously, the big um, big misses so far, uh, absent ones are Sony, but I mean, they hadn't been at E3 for a while. And then Activision confirmed to Axios that they're not going to be there, which is interesting when you think about the fact that last year with uh, the Jeff Keighley 
summer beach of Palooza or whatever the hell, uh, that like Activision seemed to be like a big supporter of that one. So I wonder if they are just all in on the Keeley camp and kind of turning their back on the ESA, but because that's where they revealed, you know, Tony Hawk, I think they had crash news and stuff like that, but EA and Activision aren't on board for E3, but they were on board for Keeley. So I don't know. Like, do you think that this means we're going to get press conferences that are going to be like E3 branded? I guess so. Like in my mind, sorry, I'm rambling, but I'm trying to still work through that idea of like, what does the E3 really mean? Does it just mean that we're going to have these press conferences from Nintendo and Xbox in that window that will have an E3 logo on it, but it's still just going to be streamed from their official accounts, like a normal big thing from them. Yeah. I I, want to see a fake stage. Yeah. It would be nice. (laughs) A green screen. Uh, I, I haven't seen like what the commitment involves, but it does seem like it's just going to weigh the, the, you know, the whole show more towards conferences than ever, which is, I think, have always been kind of the main event uh, for a lot of the viewers, like the people who can't go, obviously. Um, that's always been, OK, you watch the press conferences and then over the course of the next week, you, you see like more details trickle out as people get interviews and have like get to play the demos. Right. And that seems like they're basically just kind of not having those latter parts it's just like it feels to me right now having not seen you know whatever the whatever like this version of e3 entails it just feels like these are a group of publishers who've agreed to have conferences that are e3 branded on you know it within a certain time frame right and i think the the companies that haven't opted in you know sony and activision they can just do that anyway they can just say they like will. hey a week ahead of time we're going to throw up another Death Stranding trailer, you know, like whatever, whatever they have in mind. Uh, and that'll be E3 without it, without, you know, having to pay the ESA, which is, I'm guessing, what they have to do. The bigger bummer to me is that you're not, it feels like this kind of almost necessarily pushes out a lot of smaller games. Um, so like, you know, there will probably be like some The Mix stream, right? Or something, yeah. something like that. Um, but I think for a lot of mid-tier publishers, like the kind of publishers that you just kind of wander into an appointment, you know, I've had the few years I've been to E3, there have been like, oh, I'll just go and see this booth and check it out. That's like the first time I ever saw like Ashes uh, or uh, Remnant. And I was like, oh, oh this yeah. could be pretty cool. And I just happily random, like, randomly walked into an empty booth because there was no one there because it was really early. And I played and it was like, oh, this could be pretty cool. Um, so you're not going to get that discoverability from people just randomly having you know, encounters with the, with the stage and you're, it doesn't seem like there will be a ton of opportunities for interviews. So like one of the most interesting things is seeing like, Oh, here's how this Nintendo person answered this question from, you know, some minor outlet. And that's, that's what ends up giving a lot of the minor outlets uh, traffic that they otherwise wouldn't get is like, Oh, they asked a really interesting question and it led to a cool quote. Yeah. And so they, yeah. on the official site, it, they phrase it in a weird way saying there's going to be like multiple tiers for the media. So, quote, there are various levels of access, including special programming spe- uh, specifically for industry professionals, publishers, media, influencers and fans. Yeah. So it just it does seem it seems like an even more lockdown version of those same opportunities. Right. Because like even though like, hey, this person's not going to answer this question, it just seems like they can even more thoroughly control the conversation about their games. Mm-hmm. Right. So which gives the the media in that situation less power than ever. So it, in a way, it almost seems like this is giving the publishers more of what they want, which is a more tighter control over what happens during the event. Well, and and I wonder, you know. I mean, we they say that companies like Microsoft and Nintendo are on board, but they've been doing their own streams this whole time, too. And I yeah. wonder if there's any kind like 
what stops Microsoft from saying, yeah, okay, just like do the two or three presentations that we've done that we did, you know, three weeks earlier and just repeat them so that we're part of this, you know, like we're technically part of E3 and we have an E3 presentation. I wonder how, how many big announcements either of those companies are going to save specifically for this and not just do in a Nintendo Direct or yeah. you know, one of Xboxes. Well, that's what I want to try and figure out is that idea of like, if you're Microsoft, why not do it that week of June? Like it's going to help elevate your message a little bit compared to doing your own event at a different time and then recycling trailers during E3. It's like, if you're going to have an event in the summer window anyway, why not aim for this just to try and get any extra boost that the branding of E3 will have. They could, but at, at the same time, like, I guess that's the, the same kind of argument. You, you could have used that argument for the past couple E3s that everyone opted out of anyways. Like they, they seem to have, they seem to find extra value in just doing their own thing and having complete control over whatever that is. Yeah. As opposed to being part of this, but it, it really feels like, kind of the heart of what was valuable about E3 is missing from this. I think part of that is the interviews, which maybe they'll have. uh, That sounds like a nightmare to have all these different tiers and they're going to be trying to line up if they're even going to try to line up online interviews for that. But then it's also, you know, all of the hands on impressions that come out of E3. Like that's that to me is the bulk of the real kind of E3 coverage. We can we can sit and we can sit in on a stream and kind of, you know, make comments about what we're seeing as it's happening. But the real value is going out and playing all those games and then giving those impressions afterwards. And that I that seems to be completely absent unless companies are lining up demos that just anyone could play that would go up during E3. But that's another that's a much larger commitment again. And I don't know how many of the companies that are participating in this are taking it that seriously. Yeah. And you think of, I mean, that was definitely a big push for Achilles to have like playable demos launching on steam for summer game fest and all that type of thing. And I haven't seen that messaging coming from the ESA about trying to sync up with getting more demos out into players hands, but maybe they'll make a push for that. That'll be one of those weird media tiers is you'll have exclusive demos or something. But at that point, I think we're all in a phase where it's like, just let everybody play that. Just release a demo yeah. on Steam and call it good. Yeah, and if if you're one of the developers or publishers, you're not going to make a, an online demo just for, you know, like some special tier that the ESA is trying to shovel at you. Like, just, yeah, release it for everybody. That's going to get you much more coverage and buzz for your game. Especially, yeah, like the gatekeeping of who would even get to see that demo. It's like, if they're letting all influencers in, then at that point, it's not like there's a matter of, oh, this demo isn't quite ready, so we only need this select group of press that won't just, you know, attack us for the demo being buggy and everything like that. It seems like it's kind of game on no matter what, so it might as well just completely open the floodgates. Um, But it is going to be weird, like you said, having these companies pivot from, it seems like last year, really trying to ramp up on their own efforts. I mean, Microsoft had that big uh, stream in July. And so it's like, okay, I guess they'll just maybe slide that level of announcement back into June. Um, Because remember they said with that Microsoft stream that 
we're going to be coming at you monthly with new info and it kind of has petered out. And so maybe they realized that that kind of messaging was harder than they realized. But the one I'm fascinated by uh, is... Oh, crap. We need new info every month now. <laughs> yeah. Show another plant in Halo Infinite for the love of God. Um, but Ubisoft, I think, is really interesting where last summer they launched Ubisoft Forward and they had one in July and September. Um, and at the end of the September one, they're like, hey, stay tuned for another Ubisoft Forward in the future. And so that's going to be that strange thing of like, are they going to do one again? Or at this point, since they're on board for E3, will they just save that and then just call it Ubisoft's E3 Ubisoft forward? And that'll just be the branding continuing forward. I mean, I really wonder what they have to pay the ESA to be a part of this. And like, I, I would imagine, you know, I don't, I'm not a giant company that can just throw money at whatever I want, but I would have to imagine at some point you have to be like, look, we got to do all this work to stream this. Why don't we just go on YouTube and stream it ourselves and make it our own event? Like, what do we need the ESA for at this point? Yeah. This, this just feels like it's about two years too late. Like we've, like Keeley has put together a summer kind of, you know, like multiple streaming thing. What is the ESA's role in this? Janet, that week of June, or let's say early June, where do you think your hype levels will be at for E3 2021? I think, I don't think I'll be as excited as I traditionally am because I am not confident that they can pull off the same energy that they have in the past um, because it is different when it's like an in-person event that is streamed versus like a bunch of companies I mean, essentially everyone's going to be doing what Nintendo already has decided that's going to do. Like Nintendo hasn't been physically present via presentation for a number of years now. They essentially just do a really good direct <laughs> and then that 33 presentation. Yeah. Um, but again, Nintendo's kind of honed that in and really mastered that as far as other companies, I think, have struggled to, you know, produce things at that level. Um, I'll still be excited because it's like the big week of news and it's from like, as much as ES, the ESA and E3 gets a lot of criticism for having fallen off, like you're too expensive, what do you really do? There is like a certain cachet that only E3 has. Yeah. Like, you know, even um, with, with no shade to Keeley, but like summer game, summer game fest activity, campgrounds, whatever, um, like that's still kind of growing and, and developing. And like he's working to create that. Um, I, I do think that, you know, there's a chance that he could get to that level. I mean, I think with the game awards, like, when you think awards in video games, you think the game awards. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, there's dice and other things too, but like that is the event. Um, and he's really like honed that in. Uh, as far as like big presentations, I don't think he quite has done that yet in, in the way that E3 has. Um, like E3, it's like, it's what is it? It's E3. Like it doesn't need to, it's not so much they do something so special or so amazing, but like that is E3. That is the thing that we all like look forward to in terms of coverage. Like, you know, I saw a lot of people talking online like, Will you care about E3 if it's online? And I'm like, anyone who says no is just lying. Because like, you know, if you're media, if you do the kind of stuff that we do, yeah. you're going to be talking about it. It doesn't matter if I'm like, you know, uh, it's not the same. You know, it, it's still, it is the event. It is the big thing. It's the one thing that like, no matter how long, arduous, or inevitably boring it ends up being, you're still going to be tuned in the entire time because it's E3. Like, it's the big show. And I think even as it's starting to sort of peter out, it still remains that. I think it's going to take a number of years of middling content for it to lose the cachet that it has. Even if you say like it's washed, like it's washed the way Starbucks and McDonald's is washed in that it's not because it is the big brand. Right. Yeah, completely. And you're in LA. 
Like you could yeah. have the real E3 experience of like going to the convention center and then watching all the press conferences on your phone. That would feel cool. I literally just moved here like last year or last summer or something. I don't know. Time is weird. And I was like, <laughs> oh, the Game Awards is here. I've always wanted to go. Mm. COVID and it's like same thing for E3 and I've actually only been to one in-person E3 so I think if they pull off the um the presentations in the same like at least grandiose way like I would you know I I joked like I want to see a fake stage but I kind of do like I want to feel like when I log in to watch E3 online I want to feel like I did when I watched it before I went there in person where it's like okay I and a lot of times when you go there in person like you can't necessarily watch those presentations live either like a lot of times you're at like a hotel room or like IGN kind of rents a a workspace and we're just watching it on like a big a bigger screen than we would be in our apartments so I think if they pull off some of like the the grandiosity of the presentation it could have some of that feel um you know put bring like that's something that's fun about E3 that I hope they still have like I want to see silly goofy over the top stuff right i want to see some celebrity walk on stage and some fire come out of a cannon i want to see a car made of lego like i want some of the sparklers (laughs) if they do that i'm not really gonna it is true that there is like so much value in highlighting indies and in the interviews and in like the journalism that goes on at e3 but also like you know as a as a fit from a fan perspective and a viewer perspective it is going online and watching like a big deal presentation and seeing your favorite outlets respond to, you know, how was it? You know, do we think this was enough? Or what do, how do we feel about that? It's, it's all right. of that. So I think as long as they maintain a little bit of the grandiosity, it'll feel pretty similar to what we're used to um, with maybe a little bit less coverage, depending on amounts of interviews and access to games. Right. Okay. What about this though? Ricky Winterborn here uh, submitted a question. Uh, for later on in the show, but let's get to it right now. He says, you know what would be fun is if E3 was a giant VR event. I know people have tried these, but maybe in a few years when the technology is better, walking around a crazy video game lobby where companies create virtual booths would be an amazing thing for the common folk. We could try demos with a controller and mingle with people outside a kiosk to chat about the game. I do think there's something there. I don't think the ESA can get it up and running for this year, but I like that idea. No, honestly, they blew it. They should have just had it in Fortnite. Oh my God. That... (laughs) That's such a stupid joke, but at the same time, honestly, no, I'm serious. That is if, genuinely if they a did great that idea. Travis Scott uh, concert or whatever in there. Just okay. Did y'all watch that Travis Scott concert? It was, it was cool. Good. It was. It was cool. really good. <laughs> like I'm saying that that would have been the platform. Why not? How bizarre! Like a giant Phil Spencer can just hang. <laughs> I mean, realistically, Keeley was in. <laughs> I hate this world, but I love it at the same time. Keeley was in Fortnite already, right? Like he did like that Q and A at some point. I remember seeing Keeley in Fortnite. I don't remember where or you know what state of mind I was. But at the same time, like maybe he's trying to line it up for Summer Game Fest. Like I think that might be an easier pull is just like the one on one connection between Epic and Keeley versus the ESA trying to wrangle. Like okay, okay, Microsoft, you have to demo the new. Uh, rare game at this kiosk in Fortnite. That is such a stupid idea, and I won't be able to stop thinking about it now. Yeah, is, is it that hard to wrangle though? If you can be like, okay, Microsoft, you have to take whatever middling demo you have and do it in the biggest platform for gaming where everyone already is, and then <laughs> it'd be like streaming the demo through Unreal, no matter what engine the game was made, like the tech of it or, would be I, so cool. I mean, it's it's just a video that they'd play on like a okay. big screen okay. in a Fortnite thing. That seems more that. realistic. And like, and they have as the announcer for 
the big press conferences they just have Emperor Palpatine? Yeah. Okay, cool. I demo at E3. We didn't. We fixed E3. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just like they just yeah. get Travis Scott back and he in between songs, he's like, Oh yeah, here's the release date for Mario Odyssey 2. All right, here's my <laughs> next song. Which reminds me of a little ditty. Not Diddy Kong, mind you. Here we go from the top. One, two, three. Anyways, um, that's E3 2021. Uh, we'll be covering it in whatever form it takes here at Minmax. It should be a fun time. And then for sure, we'll be sending Leo to E3 2022. Count on it. We need to get that baby boy to E3. Poor Leo. Poor Leo. Um, Outriders, everybody. Um, came out April 1st uh, on a bunch of different platforms, but it's on Game Pass now. Uh, Square published it. People Can Fly developed it. Um, they made Gears of War Judgment. Bullet Storm. What other things am I thinking of and forgetting? Painkiller. Painkiller. They helped on Fortnite a little bit. Um, but Serial, you've been playing it for a review? Yeah, uh, I'm reviewing it for Polygon, which is, and the review should go up sometime this week. But uh, yeah, I, I've, I've finished the campaign. There's like some post-game kind of like run, you know, these expedition missions uh, over and over for better loot. But I've they, it has a campaign that, you know, tells a story from beginning to end, and I've finished that. Okay. Um, I started it last night. I don't know, you know, where you're at, Jeff and Janet, but I had the sensation of like, it's very much, very much not my type of game but I was enjoying it a lot more than I expected. I don't know where you all are at. Yeah, I feel like around the time the beta came out, there was, you know, that uh, it went kind of viral for the wrong reasons where there was that like, oh, they have a cutscene where you, you know, jump across a gap and that's it. Which in context, like, makes way more sense than I think that video kind of leads you to believe. Because sure. it's literally like, enter this instance zone where this mission happens. It's like, you can't really think of it as like, Oh, like it's a, a campaign where you're exploring a single world in one kind of continuous session. It is it is like a destiny like in a lot of ways. Right. Um, even though they say it's not a life service game. But I think all that really means is that they're, they don't have a roadmap for future content updates at, because you still connect to a server and it's the only way you can play is if you're connected to that server. I am so fascinated by that idea because it very much playing it. It's like, oh, this is Gears of War Destiny. And so mm-hmm. I wonder if it's just a scaling of the budget or maybe Square got scared after the commitment that it took to make Avengers a live game where they were gearing for this to be a live service yeah. game. Then they're like, let's just scale it back a little bit here. Yeah, it seems like a weird overcorrection after seeing the response to Avengers like not being a, or people not wanting this to uh, it to be a live service game. They're I think they looked at their next big release and said, okay, well, let's pivot. You know, let's give gamers what they want and say it's not a live service game. But this is definitely like them overcorrecting because this is totally a game that would be good as a live service game yeah uh because there's not you know a cast of characters that you can get attached to and you know it totally does have this end game move that would be really well served by future content updates um and i think you know those loops are a lot stronger here but you know like putting that stuff aside i think um i mean there have also been like some technical issues you know i've crashed a couple times and i'll get into some of the matchmaking stuff later but i think as a whole i think it works pretty well as one of those loop based games like i think the shooting is fundamentally like solid enough that it's fun and the loot i think is maybe the most surprising part about it i think Mm. it's actually um it kind of gives destiny a run for its money in terms of like what it does with loot really um so uh, in Destiny, I think the coolest guns are the exotics, right? Because you can only equip one of them on your tool on your toolkit uh, at a time. 
uh, because they have like this, like, hey, this this gun creates a black hole whenever you shoot the whenever you get a headshot and stuff. And but the legendary guns are like, well, this one reloads really quickly. And so like the the purple tier guns are kind of boring and the exotics are all the cool, you know, those are the ones that give you all the cool buffs. Right. Outriders gives you those cool buffs way earlier and they're more prominent in that like. I was playing as a pyromancer, which is kind of like a fire-based class. And they have a thing where, you know, you can siphon, you know, you have a skill that lets you siphon kind of health from people. And, but you latch onto one target. And then one of the perks from a legendary gun can be like, you attached yourself to two targets, which is like a pretty big deal. Um, There's straight up a, a perk that you can get across a random sniper rifle that is an exotic in Destiny, where every time you get a headshot, a bolt of lightning comes down. That's the thing you can just find pretty regularly on a bunch of different guns. Which is actually like a really cool thing. Yeah. And then like the, some of the better guns have two perks. And so like you can build your character a lot more like with a lot more finesse. I think that you then you can't even destiny where it's like, OK, you equip three out of like, I think, seven skills at a time. So you can say, like, I'm going with the thing that lights my bullets on fire, the the, the magic siphon and like a, a like a bomb that kind of turns everybody to ash. So I'm now looking across every gun that I get a particular perk that enhances those weapons. So you're you're really attending, like you, you pay a lot of attention to what you're getting more so than even Destiny. And I think that stuff is really cool. I don't think the shooting is as good. Of course. But the way you can build your character, I think is actually like surprisingly well-rounded. And that, that, that has been, I think the most surprising thing is how good of a loot shooter it is. Yeah, Janet and Jeff, where are you guys at with this thing? Um, well, just to start off, what is everyone's class? I went to uh, the pyromancer as well, but I really I also went pyromancer. Oh, really? Oh man! Because my logic was like, well, the other ones are very cool. Like trickster seems badass. Like the close range. That's me. Jeff, Wait, what are you? I'm the trickster. You trickster. You're yeah. the trickster. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It could have been go. an all pyromancer. Like yeah, you blew it, dude. Squat up with yeah. an eye- all pyromancer. It seemed like the best um, for like solo play. Where I'm like, I don't know how much I'm gonna be playing with people, so it seems. That's the way what to I. Go. Okay, yeah. Do you? That's how. That was my logic too, as well as like I. Um, you know, I'm with you, Hanson. Like, it's, this is not my type of game. Um, you know, I streamed this on Friday when it had, like, officially come out. Yeah. And I was like, I don't normally play the shooty shoots. That was the title of the stream, and I think I lived up to that title <laughs> mm-hmm. as I struggled my way on normal difficulty. But, um, yeah, it's not normally my type of game, but I found myself really enjoying it. And I think, um, funnily enough, like, the shooting not being as good does benefit you if you're not a shooter traditionally because when you don't play you know shooting specific games and you only play games that have guns you don't really notice the nuance of like good or bad shooting which is nice when you know you end up encountering games that maybe the shooting isn't quite as good it's easier to do and pick up so like i found the shooting pretty intuitive um and i really love the abilities like i kind of stayed away from all the um info on this game and i didn't play the beta i just kind of just wanted to jump in and see what it was like to go in cold and um you know, I, I played Pyro because it seemed, one, the best for solo play, and two, um, like, a more basic character. Like, the other ones felt, like, a lot more strategic. Like, are you good at close rage? Are you good at being a tank? I'm like, no, no, and I can't shoot. Okay, Pyro <laughs> seems like we, it's just enough of the abilities I'm to really just, like, good jank at, our way through. Yeah, I can know? light people on fire pretty well. Yeah, that's kind of my exactly. thing. Exactly. Um, it's like, okay, I get, and then it's like, okay, you get your health regen, um, from close range, like locking into targets, you yeah. know, and like using your abilities. I'm like, good. Cause like, I can't aim any of these guns. Let's go. You know, I just start lighting everything on fire. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really satisfying. Like the, again, the ability gun combo really helps because you kind of can just like, especially as pyro, just switch off quickly from one or the other. And since like attacking with abilities, isn't really like 
doesn't have anything related to shooting at all. So it kind of helps like spread out the type of gameplay that you're doing for me as someone that isn't traditionally a shooter person, though I have played some shooters. I, I went through Halo one. I went through Gears Ultimate Edition. Yeah. But I did both of those with a player like my friend who loves both those games and was like, let's go on a journey. And I'm like, sure, you know, just sort of <laughs> Well, that's um, the weird yeah, thing about really fun. yeah, that's the weird thing about Outriders is like it's very much pitched as hey co-op, what three person teams is that right, Serial? Yeah, okay, yeah. but like that beginning is a lot more story focused than I imagine. It very much feels like that co-op game that you jump into with into with friends and be like, okay, it's just like another hour of cutscenes. We just gotta get this story set up because it really has to work its way from okay, you're the last people sent from Earth to this new planet. You're exploring the new planet. But then we kind of want a post-apocalyptic, weird Mad Max vibe for stuff, so we have to get to the new planet and then set up the lore reason for why it jumps ahead 30 years so that it is all destroyed. It's a lot of yeah. setup. It, yeah. it's, I think the story is maybe like the most one of the other surprising things about it is how much it's, time it spends on that. Because, yeah. you know, you'd expect with it being like a Diablo-like or a Destiny-like that you can kind of background that stuff and saying like, uh, I'm not really paying attention to the story. I kind of have it. I'm playing a podcast while you know, playing this game. So it's like, whatever the story is, whatever, but this game really wants you to care about its story. Um, because there are, you know, a, a lot of cutscenes. they're like more kind of produced than I think you would expect. There's a, there's, it's not just like, you know, shot reverse shot of different characters talking. There's a lot of tracking shots, you know, the, the voice acting, like it's really corny, but it's like better than you think <laughs> right. it might be. And there's a lot of, like, I got into a, a, a pretty good rhythm of like, I know what this character, like, here's a one-liner that's going to be, like, I, I was good at predicting what people were going to say based on, like, having watched action movies and stuff. Um, so it's kind of corny, but there's also, like, this really kind of depressing backstory that runs throughout the entire game, and it only kind of gets more depressing as you go. Oh, good. Because it's like, oh, we we tried to settle this planet because Earth was, we just destroyed Earth. We, we're, like, completely done with it, and we can't survive Classic. here. And there's like, you know, the final diary entries of like, well, only a certain number of people were able to go. Everybody else was clawing like tooth and nail to get on this ship. Uh, and we were literally like having to shoot people back oh to get God. on this ship on the last day on Earth. And so like you go in and then, yeah, it turns out we screw this planet up too. Uh, <laughs> and so like everyone just get like it almost becomes like post-apocalyptic, like space walking dead where it's like you run into a settlement and it's run by this tyrant that is yeah. just like and at one point you're like hey like the only way you're going to get across this thing that you need to get through is by transporting a slave through it with me and so you're like well this sucks a ton but the, like you know the path of least resistance we're gonna have to do this and like later on it just gets into some really messed up situations and like there are diary entries everywhere that tell you like here's how the you know the the government agency that is responsible for settling the planet just completely screwed over everybody by saying like well we don't have any supplies we have to unleash all of these people from cryosleep we don't have anywhere to house them and so like yeah it's just completely like really wants to get across like this is a really messed up situation <laughs> you which, wouldn't believe it yeah so and you can't like it's harder to skip that stuff here than it is in other games which is really weird for one of these yeah the um somebody wrote in I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't pull it, but somebody from the community submitted a, a comment on Patreon talking about how there's a D, without spoilers here, there's a D-Day-like mission in the yeah. campaign, like towards the middle of the campaign, and they're like, am I alone in thinking that was a really great mission? Like, it really hit me harder than expected? Yeah, it is, it is, like, it is surprising how much it has that stuff, like, really dark, kind of, like, depressing fantasy. And there's also an extended bit about, like, that riffs on Indiana Jones's nuking the fridge thing. 
oh no like, in, a, in a weird way and I, like i don't want to necessarily spoil it but it's like this extended joke where they're like oh we watched that movie too huh, huh? <laughs> cool and it's so like th- this game oscillates its tone really wildly which is not the thing that i was expecting to talk about for so long with a ge- with, with, with a game like this but that to me ended up being one of the most fascinating parts is how everything wraps up and it you know like i don't i'm not gonna spoil anything but it's weirdly fascinating i wouldn't say that it's great yeah but it's like I, I've been thinking about this game's story more than I thought I would. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I went I went into it blind too, and that was kind of the first thing that really got me on board because that that sci-fi premise is one of my favorite premises of like we've destroyed Earth and like a small group has managed to escape and they have to try and rebuild civilization and like all the weird kind of things that can go wrong with that. And I felt like that like they they did a good job with the premise of it, like the dialogue is iffy and the characters you know can kind of be cliche or whatever but i was really sold on that premise and then when i got into the gameplay like at at first it was it was a pretty major disappointment just because i was approaching it as like a gears of war-esque you know like sticky butt shooter i'm gonna hide behind this wall yeah and i'm i'm i was i'm interested in hearing more about your guys's class because the the kind of long range combat I think really sucks, especially if you're playing on a controller on the Xbox. Like sniper rifles are are just abysmal, and it's it it was actively not fun when I started, and I was playing that way. But but my class, especially I guess, is is more close range, and I realized that like I really have to get right up in their faces one that kind of fix any kind of you know like aiming issues that you have yeah but then all of my abilities were really interesting if I'm you know like throwing myself right into because my my character class gets health back from every close range kill and and a lot you know like I have a temporal ability that slows everyone within a certain area and and one of the coolest ones is if I aim at a at a character like from a very long range distance, I can automatically teleport right behind them and mm. I'm facing them. And so it's just like instantly, you know, any place where there are a ton of marksmen who are hiding behind cover, which is really annoying in this game. Like I can just say, okay, you I'm, and then warp right behind them, shoot them with a shotgun because you can't miss at that point, And then just look at the next guy and warp to him. That's so And so good. that has been really fun. And then as Surreal was saying, the loot system and the actual guns that I've gotten have been, have really surprised me with how versatile they are and the abilities. Like I'm still using a cryo gun that I got within like the first hour because it just freezes enemies when I shoot yeah. them. And that that's also another like, amazing quality of life thing when the aiming isn't the greatest and you you kind of need that breather when i'm when i'm trying to do close range because my character is a bit of a glass cannon too and so it's nice to be able to just like freeze a couple people and then use some of my abilities on them so i've i have definitely warmed on the gameplay and it's gotten more interesting but it's that i think the cover system and kind of the pedigree of being gears of war-esque kind of builds a false impression at least for my character class like Mm. it is much more of an active almost kind of doom-esque you know like modern doom experience of like yeah it it, it is more in there yeah it is definitely more tuned to be like doom in third person versus gears of war Um, yeah like like you have to earn your health back by yeah you know risking your own butt as you're doing uh and so like 
I I had like a very different experience uh, playing on on PC because like the I think the sniper rifles as a whole I think are bad but like if I think there are certain like single action bolt ones that I think will one shot enemies with headshots and you know it it is easier to aim on PC so I, like that was a uh, actually like I found sniper rifles really useful but only certain ones um so it is it does kind of to let you play different ways um and yeah I I think the 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 way that like that fights roll out the way there's like all this kind of like mmo ish like this person's gonna do this attack in like this you know kind of area of effect that it shows you is kind of interesting and the way it kind of mixes that like mmo stuff with shooter stuff i think is really cool but i think that w one of the biggest drawbacks is that i for a game that they're really touting as a multiplayer thing especially later on when a lot of the bosses rely on that very classic mmo like okay he's the you know i'm kind of distracting him while you guys shoot him in the back basically is the mm -hmm. you know the classic thing tackling those bosses alone kind of sucks uh, especially because they they do get very bullet spongy and the matchmaking just isn't really there because right now so the crossplay feature that they promised isn't working right now oh. and uh the only like randomly matching up with people sucks because you you your only option is to join a random game and that means that either like they can be doing end game stuff or they can be doing early stuff and it kind of, you know, caters that stuff to your level. So if you're like level 17 and progressing through the campaign, you're probably going to get someone who's around the same point, but they could also be doing like, Oh, I I'm doing a bunch of side missions. I already did. Or like, they're not really, you know, like just, it, it doesn't work the way you want it to. And it's really stratified because there are all these like challenge tiers and like difficult, like the difficulty straight up gets harder the game as the game goes. Cause there's a bar that says you've unlocked the next tier of difficulty. Right. And if you don't, if you don't opt out of that, the game is just going to get harder and harder until you basically have to play with other people. Um, and so like that, that gives you better uh, loot, but then there's a chance that like, you're not going to match up with something like, Oh, I'm at world tier nine, uh, join a random game. That person's at world tier seven. I'm not going to get anything out of this. Um, and so right now the best option is to either play with friends, which I was planning to do with someone who was playing on PS five, but the crossplay doesn't work. And even or, I was, I was trying to match make last night on Xbox yeah. one and I couldn't find anybody, which seems insane. Yeah, yeah. You have to set your game to open. And even then, like I, I had my game set to open the entire time and never found anybody. Like I found like me, I think like one person randomly joined my game and then left. So like the thing, the thing to do now is to find a discord and join people who are like constantly posting, like, here are all my, here's my level. Here's my world tier. Right. Here's like my, here's my class. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to copy down your game code and I'll join you. And then we'll do one thing and then you'll leave. So I like it right now. It definitely has a lot of work to do in terms of fixing like the multiplayer stuff for a game that is very much uh, pushing you to play multiplayer. Yeah. Um, but I think the fun, like, like with a lot of these kind of early live service games, the fundamentals are there and they're good enough that I want to see them work that stuff out versus like, I'm just going to, I'm just done. I don't want to play this game anymore. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, okay. I'm glad you brought up the, the world tier thing because I too was playing it and it was like, man, this is getting like really hard and it's getting less fun. And then I yeah. looked and it's like, oh, well I'm apparently on hard difficulty now because you've bumped me up like three tiers. But it, that was interesting because because the game really was getting actively less fun. Like, and, and I, I was, I was stuck in one kind of encounter where there was an altered guy who basically has superpowers and they, and just a ton of other lower level characters that I kept on dying to. And, and so I went in and I bumped it back down to, you know, I like tier two or whatever. And it, it was, it was so much more fun just because, 
again, all all of my abilities are very close close range abilities, and and that that is fun if you are just like completely mowing through the low level guys, and then you know like the one guy was a little more spongy and he took a little bit more to get down, but that was fun. If I'm jumping into those though, and like everybody is is a bullet sponge to one degree or another, like that that gets so much less fun, and and so I'm in a weird spot where it's like. Well, I keep on bumping it up because I want the better loot, but that is mm-hmm. actively making it, you know, like less of this power fantasy. I'm running around with these crazy superpowers and I'm crazy overpowered. Yeah. And so it's, it's, I'm, I've, I've kind of had to manually move that up and down depending on the encounters that I'm getting into. Yeah, yeah I turned off the like auto scale too. That was like one of the first mm-hmm. things people recommended when I like boot up the game. They're like, make sure you turn that off. And then I like still somehow forgot to do it. <laughs> so then I, I had to go back in and like make sure. Sometimes it turns back on weirdly. I don't know. It might be just been an early thing. But yeah, I'm, I'm playing on normal now, which is like challenging enough for me that I'm like, this is okay. Because yeah. I think easy is a little too easy. Like for easy, I can kind of pretty much do everything. Uh, which is impressive because I'm not good at the game, like, at all. I'm still, like, very much learning the flow because much like y'all had mentioned, like, I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, my default, even though I don't really play shooters, is to, like, find cover and, like, you know, come up, like, pop up. Okay, line up my shot. I always play on consoles, so it takes yeah. a while to, like, line up the shot, you know, like, wait. And then it's like I'm just sta- – like, it's it's pretty dry to watch me play, like, any game that has an emphasis on on shooters. But here, like – all enemies will instantly flank you. Like, you cannot wait undercover. And if you're not getting flanked, you're going to get bombed. And if you're not getting bombed, you might... Um, one thing that has driven me crazy is, like, when you're undercover, like, you're, you know, shielded, and then you use an ability. There are some abilities I use, like, as Pyro, where I will automatically go back into cover, because I was in cover when I activated the ability. But then there's some that will just be standing up. And I'm like, oh, my God, please go down. Like, why are you just standing there? And then there's, like, these long-range enemies that have, like... A really powerful shot that can like also kind of stun you for a second leaving you more open to like it, you know and it kind of becomes it doesn't take long to die at that point because in order to regain health you have to be aggressive it very much is that in that control style where you have to go and push and and fight to yeah. really make it um and being conservative will actually be the thing that kills you um and i, I think the biggest challenge especially playing on solo which like I know there's plenty of people that be like, well, it's not it's meant to be solo. I'm like, well, then you should not. If, if you let me play solo, I'm going to play by myself. Um, the biggest challenge, I think, is you'll have so many instances where there are just so many enemies that um, I think my biggest point of frustration has just been in having really long combat sequences that I like die towards the end of mm-hmm. and then have to replay the whole thing again. And it's like, OK, we're going. And there's like there's like one area specifically. Uh, I'm only I think, you know, maybe six hours at this point. I'm like level seven or like 10 you know something in that range like pretty early on like i did the first boss and like a little bit extra after that and there's like one area where it's like okay there's like a bunch of electricity and then there's this one big piece of cover that i'm slowly waiting for people to come out and like you know i've slowly gotten better at like reading the mini map and seeing who's there and like shooting my ability and then like pulling back and then kind of you know learning the tool set um but i do think because there's so many enemies before you hit like a checkpoint. It can be really difficult when you're playing alone. Um, and it isn't, I don't think it really scales in that way. Like the difficulty and stuff does and the loot just change if you play with more people. But like the general flow is is very much meant for you to get through things faster than you can get through if you're playing alone, which yeah. I think can be frustrating. Um, I personally never got to the point of like being super frustrated, but I was, I did have a couple distinct moments of saltiness <laughs> while yep. playing this. That's natural. Yeah, I- 
and like playing multiplayer solves so many of those problems because you know if you die once in single player you're done you have to start the entire counter over but even if no one revives you in multiplayer you can get yourself back up you have like one revive that you just have automatically which i think if you had that in the solo mode would actually help a ton uh in terms of like not making you feel like i need other people around and also yeah like the enemies are really relentless in terms of both they run at you like some enemies will just like you know serious sam style just run at you and melee you but like also enemies like they don't really miss much it's more about like they pop out of cover shoot you a bunch like they are these constant streams of fire so just having another person to distract some of them works like to like kind of make you focus on like okay he's taking care of those guys i'm taking care of these guys so it's a lot more manageable even if all the numbers are higher and you're taking more damage so this is definitely a game where you want people to play with but the game doesn't really let you do that as well as it should yeah so outriders better than we thought it seems to be a consensus I'd almost yeah. even say, like, find a group to play with or wait a couple weeks because it seems like at some point they'll probably iron out some of these launch issues. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely a game that can be a little bit, bit tough to get into. But, yeah, I've I've been surprised at how uh, how good it is after it kind of was a laughing stock after that demo a little bit. Some, where people were yeah. like, oh, this is good. But also this is, uh, you know, one of these games is kind of dumb. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's on Game Pass and it's available basically on everything except for Switch. Um, yeah. Uh, Jeff, um, do you want to go take care of your beautiful little baby? Yeah. Hey, one thing we didn't mention. Yeah. That's extremely hard when you can't pause a game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even and though, you can't I'm, pause even though I'm playing single player, it's like he'll start getting a little fussy and he'll be whining and I'll be like, ah. I'll, I'll like run across the battlefield and try to hide in the bad guys. Will <laughs> Just put in a pause if I'm playing single player. It's so you know rude. I don't it's have anyone so else with me. Rude. I hate that so much. Yeah, yeah. Stefan right. uh, Latchifer, yeah, wrote in about that, just furious that it doesn't have an offline mode. It would be nice. Yeah. It, maybe they could patch yeah. it in. It needs a dad mode. It'd be nice. Okay, yeah. Jeff, and we'll see you okay. later. See- Kyle Hilliard, welcome to the podcast, sir. Hello. Hello. Thanks Hello. for having me. Yeah. First time, long time. I hope your mic gets better uh, over time here. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, I'm very curious to have you on, and I don't know if anybody else has played it, but Oddworld Soulstorm came out it's the playstation plus game on ps5 at this point i streamed a little bit on minmax's twitch account and i was amazed by the number of people that jumped in there and they're like what is this what is odd world i've never played one i think like if you were a big fan of gaming for the playstation one it's like odd world of course but trying to explain that to people who don't know odd world like the most recurring question was what is this tone it's yeah. really a weird thing, but how much have uh, how much of a Soulstorm have you played at this point? Uh, just like the first level and a half. Okay, like I, I'm probably almost done with the second level. Um, but I think that's a very reasonable question from someone who isn't familiar with Oddworld, and it's one of the things I like about that series. You know, it's in just terms so of, unique. Uh, sort of created universe. Yeah, uh, Janet Serial, are you Oddworld fans? Have you played Soulstorm at all? I don't no. know. I am, I'm one of the people that's like, what is Oddworld? <laughs> but I've seen it a lot. Uh, I'm excited to no longer see it at press conferences. It, <laughs> but yeah. I am going to play it. I'm going to dip into it on um, Friday on stream. Uh, and it is part of PS Plus, which mm-hmm. is cool. So it's essentially free if you have PS Plus, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, I'm excited because it's, you know, there's only a handful of, of big releases in any given month. And I would consider this to be one of them. So I want to see what this is. But I, I don't I don't really know what it is. Is it like... Is it still good? Is it kind of washed? Like, where does it uh, land? Yeah. Uh, so genre-wise, mm. it's puzzle platformer. 
but I, I don't know why I'm pausing when I'm saying that. Kyle, would you just call it well, a puzzle platformer? You could say stealth, but it's, yeah. you're solving puzzles, right? It's like, there's like stealth things, but it's like... Sneaky jump the, puzzles. The solution, okay. yeah. the solution is puzzle solving, you know? Right, right. And so Oddworld Soulstorm, yeah, they announced it back in 2016. It's been a long road. It's wild because they oh remade the first game, uh, Abe's Odyssey, uh, with new and tasty. And that released in 2014. Then they followed it up by being like, and you know what comes after Odyssey? We have Abe's Exodus, which was the sequel back on the PlayStation. But when they announced this back in 2016, it's like, it's Abe's Exodus, but it's the Abe's Exodus we always wanted to make because it turns out the Abe's Exodus they released on PlayStation 1 was made in like, I don't know, six months, nine months, one of those insane things just to turn around. And it wasn't the true vision. It wasn't truly part two of Lauren Lanning and, and that team's vision of the odd world universe. So now Soulstorm has taken forever to come out, but it's like, hey, here is basically the exodus that we should have made or wanted to make back in the day. Um, Kyle, I like Lauren Lanning a lot and I appreciate the world of odd world a lot. Um, but after playing this for a little while, I hit that point of like, I'm glad this exists, but I don't know if Oddworld can really compete in this day and age as much as I want it to. It's, it, it's a little old school. Yeah. You know, to, to a fault. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm with you. It, it looks, it looks great. Those cutscenes look really good. I, the world of Oddworld is always, I've always liked it because it's, maybe it's not, maybe it's not that rare, but it feels rare in that it's like a fully realized world that it, like doesn't even consider the idea of human beings like maybe that <laughs> right. exists in cartoon worlds a lot but like this is hits a weird level where it's like i don't know i would put like just just below pg-13 or something on, on its rating it has some profanity but it's also silly and has farting sometimes but it's really like, dark it, yeah it can be really dark yeah that the, the sort of second cutscene where uh you're given this mysterious object by a dying uh, odd world inhabitant yes. creature was like really I don't know I mean I thought it was well done if if a little long but like I was like this is like much more it, it, like intense than I expected you know and uh, but yeah I I'm kind of with you where I'm like it's okay I don't know it just feels like I it it feels kind of old school and I it, and sometimes that's a problem it's sometimes a problem but it's it's cool that it exists and i know that they have moved heaven and earth to make this game happen the fact that odd world yeah. is still this indie organization odd world inhabitants a developer and i mean i interviewed lauren landing multiple times about this game in particular in the long run-up to the release and they have a really interesting dev where or kind of like a dev style for this game it's a little bit like ori and moon studios where they don't have one central office but unlike ori they're much more focused on like contracting and outsourcing and so it's just a matter of like okay we need help with the art for this let's go to this team over here uh, in this part of the world then this team over here so it's just been like this monumental struggle to wrangle all these pieces together to release this indie vision that is Oddworld Soulstorm but um it's a game where you're making your way through two and a half d they're much more um interested in like maybe systems this time around would be the better way to put it like you have the, the brew, which is very flammable, so you're lighting things on fire to solve puzzles, you're throwing basically water balloons to put the fire out, playing with that, trying to rescue other people that are in Abe's race, possessing the sligs, which is, I mean, that was the highlight of the original game, uh, is praying to take over the mind of these 
weird creatures with guns and then you get a gun for a little bit but that's just that's a little flavor on top but i found myself playing this game kyle and wondering the same thing i wondered with kakarot dragon ball kakarot which is a weird comparison mm-hmm. but in both games i was playing and then i was like what is what is the good part i'm playing it <laughs> i'm having a fine time but like I'm not really enjoying this part. What am I looking forward to? When is the satisfaction coming? It feels like one of those games where you're kind of going through the motions for the sake of going through the motions. Well, the, the one thing I'll give you there is like, what are you looking forward to? It's very much a game that is level, impressive cutscene, level, impressive cutscene. At least I assume it is. I'm not as far as you. I th- maybe. I don't know. But like that is a very PS1 era style of game design. Yeah. Where it's like, we're going to have a level and then you're going to be blown away by the visuals of this cutscene. And then you're going to play a little more and you're going to be blown away by the visuals of this cutscene. It's like, you know, Final Fantasy sort of lived and breathed on that. And like, so I think that's what you're looking forward to. And I think there is a good story here. I think all like, like they do, they've always done a good job of like establishing a, an intriguing mystery early, like Oddworld uh, Stranger's Wrath also did a good job with that. Like you play that game for like half an hour and you're like, okay, well, I want to know what's going on here. And like I feel that way about Soulstorm, where I'm like, I want to know what this thing is that he's received that's been teased through the first thirty minutes. You know, the rabbit's foot. Yeah, yeah, for Mission Impossible Three fans. Yeah. Um, so when you guys say that it's dated, what do you guys mean by that? Is it just the checkpoints are kind of spaced out? That's like, definitely a thing. There's also kind of obtuse. Like, what do you mean? Uh, the puzzles are fine. I think it's a little clunky with the platforming. I mean, New and Tasty greatly improved upon the original, and this is maybe a slightly smoother version of that. But it's not. Uh, you know, you got like a double jump now, but it's still running into those situations of, I'm trying to do this one thing. Abe, just climb down here and then jump over there. And it kind of, it fights back a little yeah. bit. It feels like a little unfair sometimes. There's right. these uh, mines that you have to disable. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a timed button pressing, which like I think mechanically is like, okay, that's fun. You know, you have to like time your button presses to turn off these mines. But it's like, the window is so short. It's kind <laughs> of inconsistent. I kept getting killed, which threw me back a significant amount. And, like, the levels feel, like, too long. You know, it's, like, things like that. It's just, like, like a modern sort of pass on this game, I think, would have made it a little more intuitive and maybe just made it a little tighter, you know? Yeah, but at the same time, it's awesome those released. Hats off to that team for getting it out the door. And, like, you know, if you're an Oddworld fan and you've been a big PlayStation fan, it is a cool idea to be like, oh, in the year 2021, here is kind of a sequel to Abe's Odyssey, <laughs> the true sequel to Abe's Odyssey, and if you have PS Plus, you get it for free. But yeah, it's also on the Epic Game Store and also available on PlayStation 4. It's not just a PlayStation 5 exclusive, but Oddworld Soulstorm, everybody! All right, this is an odd one. Odder than the Soulstorm. Uh, Apple Arcade, uh, they've had... I, for me, it came out of nowhere. What was it, like Friday? At some point late last week, it's like, eh, here's a bunch of new Apple Arcade games, which just seems like they've been doing for a while. But this one really turned my head just to be like, what is happening in Apple Arcade? I mean, I, Kyle, I think you also checked it out when it first launched back in 2019. The impression was like, this is pretty cool. We'll see where it goes. And I think they've yeah. quietly just been doing pretty cool things, but no one's really been focusing on it too much. I think that's largely coming from the press where they haven't really had the resources to do a lot of reviews for these games. So it really feels like the Wild West of like, what are these new games on Apple Arcade? There's no reviews for it. No one's talking about it, but they're all surprisingly solid. It's really weird. Uh, But on Friday, they dropped a bunch of new stuff, including a new platinum game serial called World of Demons. 
uh, stylish action game, which I played. It's like, is it developed by Platinum or is it kind of published by Platinum? And, I believe and it's developed by Platinum. Okay. Um, but it's uh, it's all about yokai. Um, the art's great. It's a little bit slower than I expected, but uh, World of Demons is that one. But uh, the one I was very interested in is Fantasian. It's called. This is from uh, Sakaguchi and Mistwalker Sakaguchi, the father of uh, Final Fantasy. But it's uh, maybe you've seen trailers for this or screenshots for it, where it's a really fascinating idea where it's a JRPG where the world and the levels that you're running through are physical sets that they modeled and then took pictures of just to give it like this really tactile feel, which is cool. Less cool when you're playing on your tiny phone, but the nice thing about Apple Arcade is you can play like, you know, on a MacBook or something, which helps you see the details a little or bit. Or a TV. If you, got a, if you got the little Apple TV. That's I true. I was playing on the TV for all these games. Oh, really? Like, oh. Be a console. Yeah, like we, my boyfriend had originally gotten the Apple TV. I don't know why. He's an Apple, he's an Apple stan. Um, I don't think he's going to listen to this, so I can just drag him. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's really convenient for Apple Arcade because you can, it's, it's literally like as if it was on a console because you can hook up any controller to it. Um, and same deal goes for like Mac and all these other platforms. And you can hook up a controller to any any device and play these games. But yeah, yeah it really helped kind of just, you know, there are people genuinely who are like, I just don't like playing on my phone. Totally. And my phone gets very hot because my phone is very old. So I, I understand. But um, there's there's some fun ways to sort of play it however you want to play it. I think there's something weird too where I've just had such a miserable time playing so many microtransactions filled garbage games on my phone. I mean, I just downloaded the Crash Bandicoot game on iOS whenever that came out like a week and a half ago or whatever and it's just a nightmare of different currencies and all that crap. There's like these two like pillars of like mainstream mobile for it's like so weird because like what you know you were mentioning like Apple Arcade doesn't really get a lot of coverage and stuff like that and I think like for a lot of hardcore gamers and I by that phrase I mean like people that regularly play new releases maybe keep up with news that's sort of what I think of when I think of like someone that's really intense into the hobby like if you're listening to this show I would consider you pretty hardcore because you're spending time out of your week to like hear what other people think about games, keep up yeah. with the news. Like, I think that's that's a pretty intense level of being into the hobby. And I think for a lot of those players, they have only played two types of mobile games. The, like, very microtransaction-y, very mainstream mobile games, like, you know, like, I don't know, Candy Crush and things like that. You know, like, the kind of really, what you think of when you think of mobile. Or... Um, really major mainstream publishers and developers trying to dip into the mobile space with IPs you already know and doing that poorly, um, you know, right. and then they'll say, oh, they kind of throw their hands up and say, mobile sucks. Like there's only two types of experiences and they're both bad. But like what's so cool about the Apple Arcade space is it's it solves what a lot of people have complained about. But then, as usual, like not everyone wants to embrace a solution, which is don't worry about having to find what's hot on mobile this is kind of a curated collection of at least solid games. Like mm-hmm. I don't love everything on Apple Arcade, but like if you're looking for good app, good mobile games, like start on Apple Arcade. It's the most affordable, easy way to dip into a, an excellent collection. Yeah, it's like for five bucks, then you get access to all these games, which is pretty crazy. But like, yeah, I think I still have like this weird sense memory of for all these games, like I'm excited to play these games. I'm just desperate not to play it on my phone. Like I just need to play it on a MacBook because if I'm playing a game on my phone, I will automatically just always have that kind of like, I don't know, extra cynical layer just waiting for like, when's this BS going to hit me? Um, But like Fantasian, I'm actually really into it. So it's a weird idea where Sakaguchi uh, produced it and wrote the story for it. Um, It has a lot of 
Final Fantasy nods in there. I mean, the UI is very Final Fantasy. It does like the full Final Fantasy VII intro of like basically pulling back out of Midgar. There's the Master Sword uh, character named Sid, except with an S, so legally distinct. <laughs> There's like enough little that's fun like the, nods That's there. the Lost Odyssey approach. That's what that is. Exactly, yeah. Same studio, right? Um, but then the, the weird thing is thinking about Sakaguchi... And the music is by uh, Umatsu, who did all the Final Fantasy music, you know? Most of it at this point, I guess you should say. Um, and so having, like, that original JRPG director and composer teaming up for this mobile JRPG with Fantasian, it reminds me of a game we've talked about on the show a couple times, we'll continue to talk about, uh, with another Eden, where it's, like, Masato Kado from Chrono Trigger teaming up with Mitsuda from the Chrono series and releasing their JRPG on mobile, and now, obviously, on Steam. But it's weird to be like, oh, there's these kind of amazing partnerships and mobile is where these games are actually happening but fantasian i'm looking forward to to playing more because i enjoy what i've played so far but janet is it what, oh yeah a, wait step back please is it a turn-based story-driven rpg it is like, exactly is that it? yep okay like it feels like quite close to final fantasy 6 or something are you like overhead like controlling mm. a pixelated character you're overhead map, like on the phone you're tapping where you want to go or with a mouse you can click okay. i don't know if with the controller i haven't tried it yet if it's like direct control but yeah it's a uh, turn-based old school in that way um but it's not okay. pixel art or anything like that um buckle up kyle the main character he's got some damn amnesia going on <laughs> so you're trying to figure out what's Wait. going on between well, these two worlds wake up on a beach though i mean that's no he wakes up in a weird technical world so Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. It's Narita Boy. It's basically so it's, Narita so it's Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's Fantasian. You should at least look at a trailer for it because it's wild. But uh, yeah, Janet, I, I think we've both been playing the weirdest thing, which is the new version of the Oregon Trail that Apple yes. dropped on Friday, which, uh, you know, I released a documentary about the origins of the Oregon Trail uh, last year. You can find it on MinMax's YouTube channel or on uh, TPT, the public tv website or whatever but that's called trailheads if you want to check that out right yeah there we go um but uh this is a new version of the oregon trail in honor of its 50th anniversary which is wild to think about but this is from gameloft specifically gameloft australia who has made versions of oregon trail in the past um that have not been great they've made a couple different versions and i think the last version was basically just an Oregon Trail, Farmville, microtransaction, garbage town. But this is stripping it all out because it's Apple Arcade. But then it's also being produced by uh, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt Productions, who own the rights to Oregon Trail at this point. And they're the people who I tried to involve in the documentary. And they said, ah, we can't. We have other media obligations, which I'd imagine now is because they were creating this new version of the Oregon Trail. But this is a very much throwback to the Oregon Trail you remember on Apple II of, okay, trying to get to Oregon, moving from the right to the left. You're going to encounter a lot of nonsense along the way. Janet, what did you think of the new take on the Oregon Trail? So I'll, I'll take y'all through the whole journey that was really just this morning because I woke up and I was like, I got to play this Apple Arcade games because I had I'd forgotten to, to pick them all up. <laughs> I downloaded a bunch on my Apple TV uh, and then I was like, okay, Oregon Trail... And I started it up and I was sort of like underwhelmed and I started to think, so I'm an, I'm an Oregon Trail like Stan, I would consider myself like I love that game. Uh, it, it has gone on and off of IGN's top 100 game list for some time. I'm sad that it's currently off. I was like, damn, <laughs> I was outvoted. Everyone's like, yo, I mean, it was like, yeah, we respect what it was Co- historically significant, but not fun to play today. And I'm like, right. I think it's still fun to play. It is today. kind of fun. To I'll play, go yeah. into the wagon any day of the week. Let's go. <laughs> so I came in with high energy, high hopes. And I was like. 
I don't know. You know, you start off in kind of a tutorial type area and I was sort of playing through it and I'm like, oh, you know, sure. Maybe this, you know, maybe they were, maybe everyone was right. Maybe this isn't, isn't really fun in 2021. And then I get a little further in, um, introduced to some kind of, um, like additional layers of gameplay, like hunting, you kind of can move around. It's pretty rudimentary hunting, but like, yeah. it's just kind of something to do to kind of add, add to the gameplay. And I was like, okay, but then I got a little deeper in, I finished the tutorial. I'm in the town. I'm picking my party. Mm. Then like once they, when they told me to pick my wagon, I was like, this game of the year and i am not joking this is not sarcasm <laughs> Wait, what? i got hyped for this game i think it's honestly awesome i feel like if you like oregon trail at, at all um pick it up it's it's more it's as fun if not more fun than i remember obviously it's like a lot more modernized and it has um you just kind of like you know a nicer ui you're sort of doing your inventory management or how they whoa, whoa. fit into the wagon all this i stuff. mean that's that's the you're burying the lead here for kyle and surreal it's oregon trail but it has Resident Evil 4's inventory system. Yes. And so, okay, right. Kyle's downloading right now. So as, like, Don't your wagon right takes damage, it, like, takes out chunks in your inventory. And I don't know, have you found a way to repair it yet? I haven't been able to repair any of those holes quite yet. Um, You can you can get repair kits for your wagon, but I haven't okay. fixed any of the holes. But, like, one, I think the thing that really makes it stand out is that it's also just, like, it's a really nice looking game. Like it's really beautiful. Like when I think of like old school, old school Oregon Trail, like what I would play in history class when my teacher didn't feel like teaching us anything yep. when we finished early, you know, it's very rudimentary. You're kind of just trucking along and it, things happen and then you like react to those things. But here, like the, it's just environmentally a lot prettier looking. You kind of see there's more to like look at when you do actions. So it makes the actions feel a little bit more meaningful to me. Like it's easier for me as a player to connect to my actions because I'm seeing them like actually occur even if the animation is like pretty minimalistic but um, i do think my only big criticism of the game so far i'm like 45 minutes in is um you have your party that you can pick you can pick from like let me say six characters or something i don't remember the exact number but when you meet people on the road they're like the same character and right. i'm like y'all should have made this person like you know development is hard but i felt like okay that's definitely sarah from my party but now she's <laughs> michelle which is like kind of takes you out of it for a second but like I had so much fun playing it. Um, you know, I was playing this morning and my boyfriend was sitting next to me and then he started to get into it. We were making the decisions together. Like it it still had all the joy and excitement of random inconveniences of travel, which sounds very dry. But like if you if you all vibe Oregon Trail, you all know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, man, like now we have to do this. We have to pay the ferry. Do I haggle? Who do I want to have haggle? And then it also has like these sort of almost rpg elements of okay we'll have like sarah haggle and now she gets plus two of this kind of trait so you can sort of start to craft your party that way and then you start to think okay well let me make it more balanced because any second maybe someone ends up bang and then it's like you have the classic you know choices to make of do i take the janky water do i not will i make it to the next town you have like a map to choose from where you can uncover more trails you can like like, multiple routes yeah so basically it's I, i mean i can go on and on it's just very layered um compared to like the oregon trail that i think of but it has the same core fun that old school oregon trail has so yes go download it you know it's on, <laughs> it's on mobile i know you can listen and download at the same time please go play this game it is awesome um is it actually a game that you're probably not because that's just kind of extreme but <laughs> and i really like the really default too so i think that's still my favorite right now but i i absolutely enjoy like love the hell out of it it also seems to have like additional runs you can do like kind of weekly challenges mm-hmm. so like it just you know i don't know how many hours i'll actually sink into it because it's it seems more like a just like a fun thing to do casually but like i also think it fits mobile really well for that reason and like ipad like i'm 
I'm excited. It's yeah. awesome. I'm. I think after this, I'm just gonna play more. Like my boyfriend was like, "I'm having a great time." Just he started downloading it. I was like, "Let's go!" I'm all in on Oregon Trail 2021. Yeah, totally holds up. Especially like you know, last year where I spent a lot of time thinking about Oregon Trail and spending so much time editing that documentary, just thinking like, "Why is it someone like this is just a roguelike formula? Why is it somebody taking this idea, making a new version of it? Like the design sensibility is all right there, and no one's doing it." And this absolutely feels like they have the design sense spot on. It feels like Oregon Trail with like hints of 80 days. I don't know if you played that game at all where you're in the hot air balloon and and giving those little narrative choices. But like having that aspect of smart design sensibilities, different systems packaged in here, it does elevate things so much. I mean, just the simple idea of, yeah, you're still watching the wagon, but now you're clicking on animals that you go by to give you more experience. Like they add silly things like forts are now fast travel points. You unlock different items by getting to Oregon. Like you mentioned, uh, Janet, like they have like smaller tracks, but, um, but like there's still surprises in there that really crack me up uh, of just simple stuff, like stuff going wrong. Like you mentioned, Janet, where it's Okay, somebody was uh, bit by a snake. Now you have to choose who in your party will suck out the snake venom. It's like, oh, all right, only, I guess. Uh, I guess my I'll... only other beef is that you don't name anybody. That sucks. I always loved naming people to like go in the wagon. Like I remember, like uh, in college, like watching stuff on Twitch. Some, one of my friends was playing Oregon Trail, and he's like, "Whoever's in the chat, like you know, sound off, and I'll put your name in the wagon." And I was like, "I got to get into this wagon." Absolutely, I was so into it. I know. So. Um, I'm kind of bummed that you can't name your party members. It seems like, like a they, weird choice. I don't know why they wouldn't let you name them. I think the reason they don't want you to name them is because it seems like they have a lot more like thought in the characters like this in this iteration of Oregon Trail. Like you have someone like I'm making up the names because I don't remember like Sarah and her background is in like, I don't know, knowing nature. And she's like really personable, but also kind of paranoid. But and I then you assume- have like Dave and he's rich and like I'm going to roll with this rich dude, even though he looks like he's kind of an ass and like. I think they have more kind of lore in there, so maybe they didn't want to have people. But I assumed impose. all those traits and stuff. I assume they're randomized about like, oh, this person's a minister, but oh, yeah, Susanna's paranoid. I, it would just make sense that it would just randomize the traits for everybody. That seems like yeah. the smarter way to go. But it is kind of a bummer. But yeah, the repeated animations as well, or just the the art for the characters. But uh, it's still like I made one run, didn't didn't get all the way to Oregon. But I'm worried about, you know, how it's all going to stack up. But, like, first impressions are, like, they have the systems there in the way that I want them. The art, I think, is... It's a weird distinction. I think the art is great, and I think the UI is really abysmal. It's like they have this amazing background artist for, like, the actual traveling and stuff. And then they try to layer in, like, nostalgic blasts of, like, here's that classic Oregon Trail green. And it's like, it does not work with your beautiful art style for everything else. So it's kind of like this ugly mishmash at times just ui wise but so the systems are all there and i'm curious to see if they are as powerful as i hope they are and as dynamic as i hope they are but like it's it's by far the best version of oregon trail you can play right now and i'm amazed and hope like I'm amazed it exists and i hope that it's not just going to be lost to time i could see this game you know, five years from now, not being playable on Apple devices. And it'll just be this legend of they actually made a real legit good version of Oregon Trail and you can't play it anymore. So I hope that it's maintained and maybe even ported to some other place at some point. But Oregon Trail, everybody still good. I don't know. Uh, Janet, anything else from Apple Arcade you wanted to hit up? Um, one thing I did dip into a little bit was uh, Badland, which I think just is a recent release on Apple Arcade. At least I don't know if it's been out previously. Um, it's sort of like a 
the mechanics are just one button or one input tap. So you can like tap and hold to go up uh, and jump up basically or fly up. Or you can like hit A if you're on a controller. Um, in that sense, mechanically, it does remind me of Flappy Bird, like just okay. the action that you're doing of yeah. trying to balance. Um, but where it kind of gets a little bit fun is you have like these different um, abilities that will. So you kind of play as like this little um, black fuzzy orbs. So you're sort of like a fly, but cuter looking. And you can like there's like an ability that makes you makes them create like multiple flies or makes the fly really big or really small. And you're sort of going through these little um environments and you have these different um like objects or obstacles like you might have a windmill that's very sharp so if you tap it in the wrong way you'll like die it's also like an auto growling so like you have to keep moving before or else you'll die um and there's like no story at all which i'm okay with games not having story but i did feel a little bit like oh we're just we're just going like we're here now it's ready now um i i did enjoy it decently though i think it's worth checking out um it does feel like it, it lent itself well to a phone or ipad more so than like sitting down with like my you know xbox controller like it wasn't exactly that hardcore um and the thing that i found really striking about it is uh the art style it has it's it's super stylized it's very like silhouetted in the forefront but has these very like lush foresty backgrounds so i would say if you are down for like i guess like a if you like that kind of gameplay like a basic like tapping floating through an area yeah. uh, it's worth checking out because i'm curious i'm very early on like only a few levels in but i'm looking forward to seeing the different weird like things that occur that change your character i guess i would describe the power-ups as reminding me of the gameplay of loco roco where you touch something and get big or you get small and you're sort of traveling through a course um it's not as good as that game but it's just a little bit reminiscent in terms of the joy of changing as you traverse an environment yeah this is so weird yeah i mean i it sounded familiar yeah i played it it came up back in like 2013 and so i'm curious yeah but it's just on apple arcade so oh weird uh, just threw it on there oh that's that's cool Um, i think there's a sequel even yeah the sequel's not on there right right yeah but yeah badland is that one um kyle do you know how this whole thing operates do you know how we exist i think uh i think people offer us uh money uh, out of the kindness of their hearts, but I don't, I don't know where to offer put it. us Did we money somewhere or something. <laughs> hey, patreoncom slash minmax with two ends oh, is where you go to support minmax. We appreciate all the support to help us keep growing, um, and we want to thank some of our biggest supporters, uh, like Another Eden, the Cat Beyond Time and Space, uh, the game that I just mentioned that was on mobile, still is on mobile technically, but is now available on Steam. This is from Masato Kato. Uh, he's the director this time around. He is the writer for Chrono Trigger. He was the writer and director for Chrono Cross. He wrote for Xenogears, Final Fantasy VII, Amazing Legacy, and uh, his new single-player JRPG is now available on Steam, and it is free. It is free, um, where you can unlock additional characters if you want to, but again, shockingly unobtrusive uh, microtransactions in there. Uh, And it's just, it's soothing. It's every once in a while soothing just to start a peaceful JRPG, and that's what I really enjoyed about Another Eden on Steam. The story is about time travel, so you expect, okay, it's gonna be very Chrono Trigger, but there's still a surprising amount of Chrono Cross Easter eggs in there as well, which is fun to see. You got a little cameo from a Mojo-like character, which as a Chrono Cross fan, put me out of my mind. I was so excited. So you can go check out Another Eden on Steam. You can follow the link below, which is bit.ly slash minmax if you want a direct link there. Um, Serial, what is mm. that sound? 
That's right, everybody. It's the Rainmaker. <gasps> this month, MinMax is supported by our friends at Rainmaker.gg. Rainmaker is the all-in-one platform for streamers, developers, and publishers. If you're a streamer, Rainmaker gives you insight on your channel's performance, access to game keys from the world's best publishers and indies, and a full suite of streaming tools, including overlays, tipping services, chatbots, alerts, and more. For devs and publishers, Rainmaker provides powerful tools that help you analyze game performance and discover creators on the world's biggest streaming platforms. Plus, their key campaigns feature makes it simple to get your game into the hands of thousands of content creators across the globe. Head to rainmaker.gg minmax to learn more. That's rainmaker.gg. Thanks for your support, Rainmaker. Also, tabletop gaming. Asmodee and Unexpected Games wants everybody to know about The Initiative, which is a brand new co-op game, one to four players, takes 30 to 60 minutes to play. Um, the Initiative is a cooperative board game of clever strategy, code breaking, and visual storytelling. Hang on for this one, Kyle. It gets weird. The story is okay. told through a 42-page comic book, and a page is read before each mission in the initiative to set the stage and show the consequences of your actions. And then the gameplay itself is a unique blend of strategy and puzzle solving. I'm very curious to check this out. Uh, so it takes place lore-wise. In 1994, four teenagers find a mysterious game at a yard sale. As they play it, they discover check. it is strangely connected to their lives. Secrets and mysteries are hidden in every corner of the game, from strange messages left by the previous owner of the game to hidden codes that linked together to form a giant meta puzzle. It is from legendary game designer Corey Koneska, who worked on Battlestar Galactica, the board game, which I know is very popular, Mansions of Madness, Star Wars Rebellion, Star Wars Outer Rim. So you can check that out. It's called The Initiative if you're, inter if you're interested in a new co-op board game. Also, here's the deal. Uh, they're very generous over there at Unexpected Games and Asmodee. And so we're doing a community giveaway for The Initiative. So if you want this tabletop game, only within the United States. I'm sorry, they can only ship it in the United States. Here's all you have to do. Tweet out your favorite MinMax content. Could be anything. Tweet out your favorite MinMax content and include the hashtag MinMaxInitiative. No space. MinMaxInitiative. Two ends, of course. And then we'll randomize it and you can win this tabletop game, The Initiative. So thanks so much for helping to share MinMax content and uh, we hope you win. So hashtag MinMaxInitiative. Thanks, everybody. Also, thanks to IM8Bit. They want everybody to know that Etherborn is available on Switch and PlayStation 4. This is the IM8Bit exclusive edition of Etherborn. Comes with a fold-out poster with art by Tony Mole, O-Sleeve art, reversible cover sheet, and it's from Altered Matter and Akapara Games. So check out Etherborn on IM8Bit's wonderful online store where you can go and use the promo code APRILFOOLS, one word for 10% off everything under $100 in IM8Bit's wonderful online store. So support them because they support us and they support us and the community by giving something away every single week. This week, it is Old Man's Journey, the double vinyl soundtrack uh, for the fantastic soundtrack to Old Man's Journey. So they're going to be shipping that out to whoever we deem has the question of the week. The finest question submitted over at patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. Support us at any tier. You can submit a question every single week, potentially win. Also, you can compete in Trivia Tower and win even more. So thanks, everybody, for supporting us. Should we get to these questions? Do it. Do it. Harrison Holt McHale submits a great question on Patreon. He says, hi, folks. Hello, Harrison. Uh, I've just seen a fan-made cutscene of the famous ladder scene from Metal Gear Solid 3 made from the ground up in Unreal Engine 4. Hell yeah. I'm glad they're putting those tools to good use. It has set me off once more thinking about how timeless that game is. Am I wrong in thinking that timelessness and great are similar but distinct characteristics? It seems like timeless games are usually great, but great games aren't necessarily timeless. I think that's correct. Are there any games hmm. in the last five years or so that the panel think 
are timeless that we'll be talking about 10 to 15 years from now. I think they are separate, great from timeless. I love Metal Gear Solid 3. I would not call that a timeless game. I think I think all the Metal Gears are pretty timed. I, mean, I think they're specifically of their time. That's what makes them great. Yes, yes. But I, I guess, I don't know. Like, it's, what does timeless mean in terms of like, is it like, a, hey, everyone's always talking about it or like, this is a game you can play that never ages? I think it's know? I think it's that. I think 15 years from now, I think what is going to be from this era that is going to be timeless and I, I think kyle and i are probably thinking of the one correct answer for the most timeless game of this era okay say it on the count of three ready kyle one two, two three three inside a while <laughs> no i mean inside, i actually was trying right? to think of i was trying to like what is the what is the worst answer i should have said bal in wonder world <laughs> uh, no inside is actually a better answer honestly i think um because it kind of uses older mechanics and just like just knocks them out of the park. It's, you know it's the mean? most rock solid game maybe I've ever played. It just feels like yeah. that entire game is made out of clay instead of pixels. It's just such a yeah. weird thing. But yeah, so I, I that is actually a great answer. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think like Breath of the Wild and God of War are games that will continually be discussed for a long, long time. You know, I um, think so. But I can yeah, I can definitely know. see. I mean, we'll see what the sequel looks like. But I can definitely see a world where five years from now, even. Playing Breath of the Wild is like, oh boy, really showing its age in a lot of key areas. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see that yeah. with God of War as well. I can, yeah. like, I even playing it, I was like, I'm like, it's entirely possible that a sequel, not maybe story wise, but like mechanically, kind of makes this game irrelevant in terms of like, oh, like the sequel does everything this game does, but better. Um, and, and I, yeah, I think Breath of the Wild, I think, will always be kind of a unique object, but I, but that's also a case where. Breath of the Wild 2 could come out and mechanically kind of fix some of the things that irked people. Yeah, um, things that we didn't I think realize to be, were like problems, you know? Yeah. I think to be timeless too, you need like a certain kind of art style. Like I think yeah. Breath of the Wild's art style is doesn't age timelessly. Like I think a, a Zelda timeless art style would be Wind Waker. Like yeah. that game still looks really pretty, but that game didn't come out recently, so it doesn't count for the question. Yeah. And then I think Stand the Test of Time is a, is a third idea like i think a lot of those games will stand the test of time like breath of the wild mm -hmm. i think will still be an amazing game to play five years from now uh what remains of you the finch same deal but i think art style wise we'll be able to be like oh yeah this is an old game it looks like a game of like that general area era while mm -hmm. inside the art is a little bit more timeless and it's a good enough game that it will stand like the test of time uh, the first thing i thought of was something like minute uh or uh, oh, baba is you like those are oh. great games that look like they, they look simultaneously old and ageless because yeah. they don't have like a really they're not going for like realism or uh, mimicking a certain style, like something like Fortnite, where it's very like stylized in a way that's of the of an era. Um, so I think those are timeless from that standpoint. But Breath of the Wild already looks kind of a little bit older to me already because it wasn't in the switch isn't very powerful either. So that doesn't really help. It's like visual age. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I'm not surprised to hear you say that honestly because I think it does have a cel shaded style that I think will last. But I, I think I we'll think see. the art we'll style. I'll meet you will. back here in ten years. I mean, yeah, I remember right, even yeah, thinking yeah. that like, this is like old. Like <laughs> I remember when Skyward Sword came out, thinking like, oh, that stylization, like that's an interesting look. And I don't think that has really aged too well. Is and I think Breath of the Wild yeah, is definitely that, a better that game weird artistically. HD line that the we never crossed. You know, where, right? Yeah, I mean, there's we can. Yeah, I, I think like just Link's model in particular, like just it, because it is such flat colors, it is mm -hmm. basically cell shaded, but with a little more detail. I, I think I 
I hope it will continue to look yeah. great. Yeah, I, I I would say that probably two of my favorite games for the last year. That I I I think Kentucky Ride Zero and Disco Elysium are probably games that I think probably won't age any more than they already are because I think yeah. you know they don't look immaculate or whatever. But like I think Kentucky Ride Zero has a very specific art style, and I think you know like whatever qualms people might have about either of those games, I don't think is a is like a matter of like, well, in the future, other games will improve on these systems because they are kind of unique things unto themselves. Like, I don't think, I don't think anyone's going to make like a better version of reading or like, you know, or like even the, like the, <laughs> they like did. The, it's the called TV. In this game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think the, the checks, the, the way like everything is done through like RPG checks and Disco Elysium, I don't think is a thing. It's like, well, everyone does, like has, does that better now because it's such a wild thing to do in the first place that I think like 20 years from now, you can see that, oh, that, that was a work that you know so many like people didn't really improve on so still kind of a thing that defines that game so i think both of those games are kind of games that you, you i think you will be able to go back to them you know years from now yeah tom blackburn submits a comment over on patreon and he says hey friendos hi Hello. tom hi. Uh, i wonder if anyone if anyone will try to compete with microsoft sony and nintendo ever again if Google can't figure it out, who else do you think has a real shot at becoming a permanent first party? I love that question. It, is, it does feel like at this point, all of the tech overlords, the, the mega corporations have taken a shot at the king and they've all missed, you know? Is, has Amazon, are they out at this point? I think they're are basically... They slapping money on Seinfeld's counter? <laughs> <laughs> they're not king of the castle, I'll tell you that much. Uh, I mean, they're not they, horse player I'm Arby's. Out, I'm out of the contest. <laughs> I think they, um, I mean, they got New World coming, but I feel like that's kind of last gasp before for Amazon says, yeah, we'll see our way what out here. The little the crank handheld. Playdate. Cool. Playdate's oh, going to yeah. be the future. That thing does look sweet. And the fact that like, it does. I don't think it's a cord. In some ways, like it mirrors what's happening on the little Playdate handheld with the crank up on the big screen. Like everything I see about that stupid handheld makes me more excited for it. I'm so excited. Yeah. Except for the ambiguous release date. That's not very exciting. No. Um, and I guess like the ship in the Suez Canal was filled with those. <laughs> it was hauling nothing but plated. There's some connection they said between like the delay and the Suez Canal ship. That's the analog with the Suez oh, Canal. Oh, is that was that really what? I'm, okay, okay, you're right. Yeah, I'm probably confusing oh. those two. Um, what's, and what's Tommy Tallarico's Amico? Is that what's yep, that the Amico that that's actually yeah. that was the co-pilot of the ship in the Suez Canal. So okay. I think I think someone else will probably try, but I don't know that anyone will succeed. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to shift so much and maybe Microsoft will feel like it's taking itself out of the running by 10 years from now when it's just uh, the Xbox platform. It's just an app on every screen you own. It won't feel maybe as first party ish. It'll just be kind of like this weird legacy remnant vibe. But yeah, I mean, at this point, Amazon and Google have tried and it's just not happening. Tesla. I guess <laughs> we have that to look forward to. Big company, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but they're, they're exclusive Walmart. to the screen in the Tesla cars. So, uh, mm. I'd, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess you can throw Apple in there a little bit as well. We we're just talking about Apple Arcade, and it's cool, but it's certainly nowhere near this level of interest and competition. If it's going to be another company, it could feasibly maybe be Netflix if they ever really want to get heavy into like. Here's the here's here's basically our version of net uh, of Game Pass, right? 
and just yeah. say like, hey, here's a streaming service. And the literal become, Netflix of games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they could call it Netflix that. Is games. <laughs> uh, so then it wouldn't be competing as like, hey, here's a, a new company making a hardware thing. It's just like we also have the subscription based service that lets you play games and we know our way around that kind of model. So we do it right this time. Yeah. I mean, they have some choose your own adventure stuff. Like they had Bandersnatch. They have yeah. um, Bear Giles's like surviving the wild. You can't kill him, by the way. I tried really hard <laughs> to get him to die. It. I it just kept fun. sending him on bad uh, journeys. Uh, but yeah. Okay, Bear. So in this shot, we're going to kill you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my daughter really liked the Minecraft, which was just Telltale's Minecraft, but you could choose your own adventure on Netflix. Yeah. And she enjoyed it, but it was funny. She finished it and she was like, yeah, I really liked that. I just like, I wish I didn't have to do all the choosing. <laughs> like she just wanted it to be like a. Um, she just wanted a Minecraft show, and that was the only option. Yeah, you know? which Weird. I just thought was so funny. I guess that is what every Minecraft Let's Play is on YouTube. It's just the greatest Minecraft show that you could create. <laughs> uh, Stephen Lamson writes in. He says, "Hello, what do you do?" Oh, hang on, I'm, re- I'm not phrasing this correctly. Okay, this needs to be a certain tone. He says, "Oh, hi. All right, what do you do, Hot Shots?" <laughs> I read that as, what do you do? (laughs) That's not what he's saying. (laughs) Anyways, he says, you order some fast food through the drive-thru. When you get to the window to receive your subpar food, do you A, take the bag and drive away as fast as possible. B, look through the bag and take inventory, causing everyone behind you to wonder why you aren't driving away as quickly as possible. I'm definitely an A. I, I could not speed through faster, and if it's not the right food whatever i'll nibble around the edges and then throw it away i don't want to ever return anything it's very uncomfortable well see i'm not driving i don't have a license i've what? never driven through a drive-thru and we're driving away also so oh my oh, god hey leo vader also doesn't have his license really yeah. oh we should go driving some time together That's i'm trying a- to learn it's my goal this Ooh, year i'm not plus. doing well New show plus yes. Janet and Leo oh start God. driving and meet in the middle of the country. Oh gosh, I hope I'm that so end the way it could. <laughs> afraid of killing everybody. Like I have such yeah. a fear of driving; it's so hard. But yeah, we always dip in the drive-through. Um, we don't check. Yeah, yeah. You just roll the dice. That's the risk you take. It's part of the excitement. Yes. Of the whole thing. I completely agree. Oh, maybe they'll yeah, put onions me. on mine. For me personally, it is like I don't. If I they get it wrong, then I try something different that maybe I like or don't like. But for buying for my family, I oh, will no. check for like my kid and stuff because she's very picky. So yeah. yeah, ideally you have another person in the car who you give them the bag and they check while you drive off. But I've always been yeah, I always have that like anything I do after I get my food is just gonna piss people off. So yep. I like I need to go right now. I will if if something is wrong, I will loop back around and address it later <laughs> instead of. Uh, holding up the yeah. drive through line. Yeah, Stephen Lamson also says, please hurry and respond. People are starting to honk. All right, all right, Stephen. <laughs> cool it. Uh, Project Weehee submits a question on Patreon saying, salutations, CLCs. Last week, Hanson talked about Moonglow Bay, the indie game, and I was reminded of my love affair, my torrid. Is that the word, love affair? Is that what you say? Turid? Mm-hmm. Torrid? My, torrid. What does that mean? Torrid. It's like, um, it's like... Creating conflict, like like internal conflict within you. Like it's treacherous almost, I think. Tumultuous, kind of. of. Oh, this is Tumultuous, good adjective. It's defined as very hot and dry. That's weird. Anyways, so, (laughs) but but then number two is full of difficulty or tribulation. It's that one. Okay, all right. (laughs) Not the hot and dry one. All right, so I was reminded of my hot and dry love affair with the fishing hole in Twilight Princess. Did anyone else find that minigame as fun as I did? I think I spent more hours in there than I did actually playing the game. This is a very specific question. 
I, I used up all my fishing hole in a Zelda game love in Ocarina of Time. <laughs> you had like, a meter that you depleted? <laughs> yeah, like which I spent a lot of time there in Ocarina of Time, found the bottle, got the biggest fish. And by the time Twilight Princess rolled around, which the big charming thing there was you could fish with the Wii remote, you know, if mm. you're playing it on Wii. But it was very I was so in, engaged in the in that story and that world that I was like I'll just do whatever the, the least amount I need to do here and then get back on the main path. Yeah. Well, there we go, everybody. White Max says, hey there, Maxa pals. Sure. Uh, oh, he has bad news. He says, you've died. Mm. Sorry to inform everybody listening and everybody on this Oops. call. <laughs> Oops, I died. <laughs> and in the afterlife, you can see how many times you've ever done anything. What would you like to find out if you could figure out exactly how many times you've done anything at all? Miles run. Miles run. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I do distance running, so it's probably a lot. And I don't have all the data because, like, back in the day, you didn't have technology that could track your runs. Like, right. you could just be like, I know this is a mile. And that's how you trained. And it was really hard. Um, and then <laughs> now I always run with, like, you know, Nike Run Club or something. Mm. Um, and I have, like, data. But I didn't get that app until semi-recently. So I, right. I've always wondered those stats lost the time. So you, that seems pretty... I don't know. I look. I don't want to judge you, Janet. I know you're new, but that seems pretty basic. That's like something you, you already track. Like if you're at the pearly gates, you could have anything. Wouldn't you want to know like blinks or? Why would? Well, but like I didn't. Everyone blinks. Like everyone the runs. miles I put in. Yeah, like I'm trying to flex these miles. Like let's go. So you're getting ready to brag in heaven about these miles and you need that ammo. Well, it's more like I want to have an accurate conversation. You know, I'm going to be right. meeting like some of the greatest. Run- I'm, you know, especially too if I'm dead. Well. I don't know if I died before or after the rest of my family. Like, mm. maybe my dad could get his miles. I'd love to hear his miles. We could all kind of talk about it, you know? Give us right. a shared, like, new afterlife discussion. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little dry, but, like, the hobby itself is dry and boring. Torrid, So I'm going to just mean. dig into this. It's torrid. Yeah. It's hot and dry, so I'm going <laughs> to dig into those stats. Yeah, that's good. I think maybe, like, total amount of time I spent worrying about things that never happened. <laughs> Uh, that's, wow that's gonna be what 70 percent of that's life dark yeah i don't know it'd be interesting <laughs> i actually i it's funny this question i tweeted this like five days ago i wonder how much garlic i've pressed in my life <laughs> press like just this yeah because i probably like press garlic like three times a week what? and i have been as you years. should Kyle, yeah, I do not even know what that means. What are you talking about? So there's this device that you buy, and it's like basically you put the garlic in there, and you squeeze the handle, and it just like it it ejects like little pieces of garlic for cooking. It minces garlic for you. But it minces garlic. Is it yeah. what? I mean, they have those jars of minced garlic. What's wrong with those? Well, it's once, not fresh. That's that's no good. You know what? Really? Do that. There's a huge difference yeah. there. Yeah. Are you yeah, min- are you so. using yeah. canned garlic? It, it bottled, jarred garlic. Yeah, jarred garlic. <laughs> Charlotte, yeah, garlic. stop doing that. The, the clothes are so cheap. You can get a whole thing. It's like eighty nine cents at the yeah. store. Yeah, you don't if you don't have I a actually, press. The, just thing, ha, 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 the ha. thing that I've fallen in love with recently is you can buy a Ziploc bag of already peeled garlic, and Ooh. that's great. That saves nice so much between. time. Yeah, so garlic pressed. That's okay. how much I want to know. It's got to be in the million. At this yeah, point. and for the pressing, I don't know how detailed it is, but do you make thin mints? That was a joke, everybody. You okay? You have a stroke? <laughs> Hang on, I think that was a joke. We're waiting for the verdict. People watching us live back think garlic press. and mint are the same thing? No, but mints, like mints and garlic. It's like, I think he imagines oh. it getting pressed, right? And yeah. then it would be, mm. oh, like. Hang on, it's coming mm, through. That? Yep, yep. The mm. laughter is building across the world. Hold it's on. happening. I'm, 
Okay. Yep. Writing this down for question of the week. Okay, the garlic one. <laughs> uh, chat says okay. boo. Uh, just like, I'll take what? it. I will yeah. happily take that. I think we've reached herd immunity on that joke already. <laughs> so we're not laughing at it anymore. <laughs> uh, does anybody else have any stats? Cereal? Can you think of anything? Uh, all I go to is just like really tragic ones. Like, okay. Like, if you were to quantify it, how many people actually love you? Oh my oh, god! Well, something, like, but that's interesting. <laughs> just to be like, let's add it up. All right, let's let's actually count it. Yeah, what do you think that number is? Here's the catch, cereal. What's that number? But you can honestly include anybody watching or listening to this that would say that they love you, if pressed, like garlic. <laughs> or like when they say like, oh yeah, I love that. You know, like I I love that guy. That guy's great. Like that that counts. So it's just like algorithmically. Do you okay? This is a this is a great and me in the same sentence. It adds it to my total. No, this is fascinating. Do you think anybody watching or listening to this? sincerely is in love with you oh god i hope not, <laughs> I, hope not. <laughs> I hope not too and that's not a judgment on you it's just isn't that a weird idea to think about y- yeah it is a very weird thing to, to think okay about. so here's the thing everybody if you love cereal um you can leave the comment below to let us know if you're the one person that loves cereal or you can tweet at cereal vasquez to let them know that's right one lucky person will win my address and <laughs> from there is this can we make this like a patreon goal somehow i don't know exactly how we word that <laughs> yeah i think that's how patreon works yeah. address or people loving me what is- i think it's a different platform for people yeah. do that on patreon too so mm-hmm. At a certain tier, you can love cereal. <laughs> right, you're allowed. I don't know. Tell me now that's illegal. Wait until the proper <laughs> tier has been reached. Uh, Zion Gonzalez writes in and says, Hey, everybody, hope you had a good Easter. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Um, you have to make this... Oh, by the way, you have to make this new generation of gamers sit down and play one game from an older generation, anything PlayStation 1 and before. What game are you making them play beginning to end? And why? PS One or older? It's PS1 pretty. PS One or older? Yeah, new generation. What do you What do you force them to play? I guess what's your motivation? What, what, right. Why are you forcing them to play to understand you better? To I think it's probably I think it's probably like appreciate where games came from. So it's like you could take okay. a couple routes. You could make them appreciate current games so much more by having them play like what I consider to be the worst game ever made, Rascal on PlayStation 1, really watch them squirm, yeah. but that's that's a rough go. Pokemon what? Stadium, daughter... Kids Club. <laughs> Wait, Kids Club? Which one's that? The mini it's like Pokemon Stadium. There's like inside, there's the minigame. Yeah, Kids yeah. Club. And it's like with like the rat, rat, tat, 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 race and stuff like that. Um, Wait, is it minigame collection? Yeah, it's like okay. it's, there's Pokemon Stadium, and it, when you click in a Pokemon Stadium, as one does, you have like you can go to the stadium battles, or right. you can go to Kids Club, where you're like playing little mini games. You it's have like, like the Yekins. Harden game. The games are weird, like a tongue game. They're like Mario Party, right? Yeah, right. Yes. Mario Party. Um, yeah, and just because it's it's a good time, and they're gonna have a good time playing it, and then maybe more people can ask Nintendo to make that again because it was awesome. Hmm, more Kids Club, very specific. I've been, my daughter's picked up Pokemon Sword in a big way recently. Like Ooh. she's playing online with friends, getting into the DLC finally. Like she's. She's saying she wants to get them all and get all the shinies and everything. And I just, as she's playing it, I'm kind of like, what What if I like, not that I would ever truly make her do this, but what if I sat her down and said, you have to play the original Pokemon? Yeah. Like yep, Pokemon yep. Red. Like, what would her reaction to that be? How long could she make it before throwing her hands in the Why? air? And just I, like, I can't do this, you know? Yeah, but here's, the I sprites mean, are cute. The sprites are cute, except for <laughs> the sprite of Machop in... <laughs> 
in Pokemon Red and Blue, it is, if I'm thinking of the right one, I believe, it's just an abomination. That, that huge feature we did. <laughs> oh, about the ugliest <laughs> sprite? That's right. I'm trying to look this up. Oh, I hate Me that too. stupid Machop sprite. Pokemon Red. Um, but we, while you guys look it up, we were watching <laughs> looking the at it now. It's, you could grate cheese on those daughter, And they showed the original gold, um, like golden, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Diamond and Pearl. They showed gameplay of Diamond and Pearl. Yeah. DS, and she was like, was that the first Pokemon game? Because that looks really old. Oh, funny. Like, oh, we, we gotta go further back. <laughs> we gotta go back. See, your daughter's like hip and cool. She plays all the big games. But I'm wondering, like, my nephews have never... I, they played a little bit of Let's Go over here once. But mm. it's like, if Pokemon Red and Blue on, like, 3DS was their only Pokemon option, I think they'd get into it. Yeah. But, but, they're, I mean, but they're dumb. <laughs> like they don't they don't know from games they don't know from games yeah this definitely reminds me of like a bean dad but for gaming where you're just trying to show like why don't you appreciate this particular thing can opener uh, MLA <laughs> writes can in opener. I just give her the cartridge and I'm like figure the rest out <laughs> get on eBay you don't get to eat until out. you finish the original Legend of Zelda <laughs> MLA writes in and says greetings can you rank these RPG occurrences by how satisfying they are. This is such a good question, Emily. All right, so where do we rank these? Number one, upgrading your weapon and one-shotting a previously tough enemy. Number two, meeting the stat requirement to complete an objective using words slash skills. Number three, receiving a quest for an item only to tell the quest giver you already have acquired the item. Three great ones. Two, one, three. To, wait. To, Dialogue, to, a weapon to kill an enemy. I already have the item. I think for me, number one is having that item. Because as much as I love RPGs, nothing's better than finishing an RPG quicker than you think you can. It's the idea of like, aha, I already have this crap. I think that's maybe number one for me. I like Same, the one shot one a lot, though, because it feels like it's so efficient. Like going from like the the feeling of going from like oh, I can almost one shot uh, like I take out like ninety percent of their health, but I still have to do another turn versus like I get to do this tw- this battle twice as fast now. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably my number one. Then the uh, like having already completed a quest. Okay. Okay. Is that is that number one? Is that the same as going back to an old area? And just being able to destroy everything. It's close. Like, I mean, that's pretty it's much close, it. But I think I think being able to do it in your current area, I think is a is a big plus. Right. Gotcha. Low level enemies in your area. Um, <laughs> Kill now, my lord. <laughs> Chris Schultz writes and he says, while watching some Twitch streams over the weekend, I realized the biggest streamers, quote unquote, main one game. What game would you main if you had to choose? Tough. Tough. Mm, practically, it'd probably be Dota, or I would maybe pick one fighting game, maybe Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter Three. But yeah, I no, don't think Street Fighter Three would get a ton of viewership. But I mean, is that what you want, or you just want to go for the game that you'd play the most and it would make you happy? Yeah, then it'd probably be Dota either way. Fun. Not that's great that's at cool. It though, but. I bet you're so good, dude. People love how good you are, and they tell you they love you for that. That's um, how I'm going to get all those love points when I die. <laughs> I think uh, I, I would go maybe a boring choice, but it'd be fun to be like, I am the, I am the age of mythology. Org on trail. Org, I, yeah, that's even better. I was going to say like, I am the age of mythology streamer. Like this is just my jam. It's never going to be relevant. It's never going to be 
gangbusters, but like just really giving that game the, the honor it it deserves. Damn it! <laughs> Anybody else have thoughts? What would you mean? I, I it's rough because new I, games come out in the franchise too. But I think I mean I already I stream a lot now. So and my my main game that I play, even though I'm a variety streamer, is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh it yeah, has like a bunch of replayability. I have been playing that game for over a year straight, and I have. A bunch of stuff left to do so that would probably be my answer but another interesting one would be maybe splatoon 2 because uh, then i could finally really get good at the game like i went to one like in-person meetup back when we had in-person meetups where i got to like learn more like strategies and that was really cool and i love that game and it would be cool to be a, like x rank is now the highest rank they have and that yeah. could be cool so like I could see myself doing that and just getting really good at it. That sounds so fun. Honestly, one of the ideas I have listed down for a new show plus poll in the future to see if we create is like, what if we just got really into Splatoon 2? Like not just, oh, let's stream Splatoon 2, but like, no, like if we play this for new show plus, we are going to seriously be militant about how good we are. Mm. I think Except for that football like, game. I don't like that game. <laughs> what football game? I forgot the name of the game. There's like tower control, like the competitive parts of Splatoon. Oh, okay. There's one where you're like throwing the like that football thing. I hate that one. Oh, it was like the new one introduced in, in two. Oh, interesting. Um, but yeah, I yeah I, I want to really sink my teeth into Splatoon, but okay, that's a good one. That's good. Um, and then Kyle, I seem to be Mega Man X. Actually, that was one I was thinking. I would try to become a Mega Man X speedrunner. There it is. Um, <laughs> I'm Ryan. You can just mute your mic at this point, Kyle. We got you covered. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm Ryan writes in and he says, do you use the term video games or video games? Basically, do you put a space in there? Do you consider the difference to be significant or negligible? Is video games one word or two? I think it's what he's going for. Two. It's two words. I, I heard, I was on the 8-4 Play podcast the other day. Uh, Mark McDonald was going to the mat saying it should be one, which I never heard somebody who had been in the press argue for one. Look, he's losing his grasp on the English language. Yeah. He's been in Japan too long. Right. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. I, I almost feel like it is kind of uh, almost a European thing to call it video game one word. Uh, is it? Because I, th- I think maybe they have like a stronger maybe distinction between like what's a computer game and what's a video game from like the old days of like well there interesting were interesting idea games, yeah and then there were console games and so those were two different things back then and now they're kind of all been jumbled up into video game so i think that's maybe where that comes from but i've seen a few american outlets i uh when i freelance for pace famously they were a oh, video game one word thing which as a freelancer what i'm not gonna like you know get into arguments about it but i definitely think it should be two words yeah hey even texas is one word National Video Game Museum. For which? The uh, museum in Texas, the National Video Game Museum in Texas. Really? Spells it, one word. And that's yes. a museum. That's really interesting. Um, Janet, where do you rank this scale of 1 to 10 on the interesting level? Um, again, I, I've thought way more about Oregon Trail than I should have for any normal human being. And last night I was thinking, why? It's so weird that you move from right to the left in Oregon Trail. I wonder how that got started. I wonder why they did that. And then I had the epiphany of why. Does everyone else know this? Has everyone else already thought of this? But that you're going they're heading east to, the to west? west? Yeah, because they're heading to the West Coast. I had never considered that. Janet, had you thought of that? Has everybody already thought of this? I I hadn't, but then I also kind of had. I'm going to give it a <laughs> 7 out of 10. And 7! Wow, yes. chat's lighting up. Oh my God. I, I'm interested in the fact that you had to think about that like that's i know, that's, I know. <laughs> yeah. it's to really me that's dumb. all it's all part of one experience mm-hmm. of what just occurred <laughs> yeah okay all right thank you 
Um, by the way, I'm a biggie boy watching us live at the Backstage Pastor and Patreon. He said that the laughter from that thin min stroke was resonating like Superman screams in the opening of the Snyder Cut, which I really appreciate a very specific reference. Anyways, uh, Crater writes in and he says, Hey, cohorts, are you ready for the brand new game show that's been taking the nation by storm? That's mm. right. It's time for arbitrarily or otherwise non-memorably named gaming peripherals, components, and accessories. So here are your questions. Top. What? All right. This, this, some of these get pretty tough. What is the name of the Dreamcast memory card? Anybody can shout it out. What is the name of the Dreamcast? VMU, yeah. Correct. There we go. (laughs) Dreamcast memory card with screens and buttons. Name the two center buttons on either side of the Xbox button on an Xbox One controller. Windows hamburger. (laughs) Incorrect. (laughs) Uh, One of them was Snap and the other one was Menu? Menu is correct for one of them. The other one is not technically labeled Snap. It is labeled Uh. View apparently oh this is where it gets wild what was the name by of the, the way that that was uh, right when titanfall was getting ready to come out they had a lot of behind the scenes documentaries about titanfall with the launch of the xbox one and yeah. the main programmer for titanfall was always pushing for that three lines button to be called hamburg like that was like he kept bringing that up in the documentary that's what i think of it as <laughs> i think yeah. i think that's what it's called in like web design and stuff like those oh, yeah, that was so. Okay. So that was where it's from um I got the idea from the power of the cloud. I just remember all those Titanfall ads early on. Anyways, um, what was the name of the joystick originally released with the Atari 2600? This is Ooh. this is some Kelsey Lewin trivia. It's called it the, wasn't just the Atari joystick. It's called the CX-10, like apparently. No, I was not even close. <laughs> yeah. Name the proprietary data storage medium used in the PSP. It's not UMD? The, not the UMD. UMD. Oh, um, uh, okay. Memory Stick Pro Duo? No. Oh, you, really? Mm-mm. Pro, was that I Vita? Was the, oh, man. Yeah, I don't know, because I, I think I thought Surreal had it. Uh, they say it's called the Magic Gate, if that sounds familiar what? to folks. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's the. I think that's the sort of trademark patented hardware for like the where the actual memory card inserts. But okay. the memory cards themselves, Surreal was right, it was the Pro Duo. But okay. I could be wrong about the Magic Gate thing, but I believe it does say Magic Gate on the PSP. There we go. Uh, released in 1987 from ASCIiWare, name the arcade-style joystick controller for the NES. Does anybody remember what that thing is called? Ooh. Oh, I feel like I, I should. You'll, you'll know it when turbo? you hear it. Cl- no. no. Think like about... Like action something? Ooh! Like warm! Yeah. It was like in movies. You're, it was you're torrid here, Surreal. This is the NES Advantage. NES Advantage, oh, everybody. Yeah. Uh, right? That's what they control the Statue of Liberty with in Ghostbusters 2, right? I don't remember. It's, it's upsetting that I probably hadn't played an NES before being obsessed with Ghostbusters 2. So I don't think that really stood out to me, which is weird. Um, did you see that clip from Ghostbusters Afterlife, Kyle? I did. <laughs> <laughs> So this is a clip. It's <laughs> they tweeted out on Wednesday, and it's Paul Rudd in a grocery store. And I was like, I watched it thinking like that it was a commercial. And I watched the entire thing being like, it's amazing they got Paul Rudd to be in this like Ghostbusters merch commercial. That it was oh, it's not a commercial. This is actually in the film where he goes to a grocery store and the bag of Stay Puffed marshmallows are actually all the little Stay Puffed guys, and they jump out and attack him. <laughs> it is it is a vibe 
I am optimistic about Ghostbusters Afterlife, but yes, that is certainly like not the tone I, mean, I was expecting. Director, I, I like Paul Rudd. I like the cast. I'm optimistic yep. about that movie, but that scene really felt odd and unfunny. <laughs> it really did feel like they were like, "Hey guys, hey, we're done for the day. We're we're gonna wrap, but we do need to we uh, we agreed to shoot this marshmallow commercial." you know paul's contractually obligated so let's just knock that out real quick i had missed the part where bill murray was confirmed to be in that movie i remember like rumors swirling and everybody hoping that he's going to be in it but he said that he was actually going to be in it and he was complaining about like how heavy the packs were apparently which i thought he would know what that would feel like but maybe not um hey anyways uh, trivia um what three additions were made to the controls of the new 3ds versus the original 3ds the c stick Uh, Great call. Yep. The two shoulder okay, so buttons. It's not, it's not the Circle Pad Pro. That's not what we're talking about? No. This is the yeah, new yeah. 3DS. The, the two so additional it, uh, shoulder buttons. Mm-hmm. Which are? The, uh, ZR and ZL. That's it. ZR, ZL, C-Stick. Y'all got it. Oh, because okay. two shoulders, one C-Stick. Yay. You got it. Way to go. Congratulations, creator. Thanks like for like one modern question. I'm like, I remember yeah. ordering this. So. <laughs> <laughs> Janet, you do not have to answer this. How old are you? Because 27. Okay, okay. It's like the Oregon Trail thing. I'm like, that's interesting. I wonder what version you played. I don't know either. Like, it's probably something the, on a... I mean, it was on like... Well, this is obvious. It was on a computer. But like, I don't know. It was like... At the time, we had like... Like at home, I had a compact Passario computer. Yeah. So I think it was... We had that level of tech in my elementary school. So that's what I played it on. Gotcha. Something gotcha. like that, I Okay. Think. Checks out. Probably, yeah, 3.1 version, whatever that would be. Uh, Michael Moran writes in, he says, did y'all play games on your graphing calculator? What was your favorite? We played a lot of Bomber Kids over the TI-83 link cable in my school. I feel like these are probably extinct now that everyone just has better games on their phone. Yeah, I mean, calculator games were huge. And yes, I just, reading this just reminded me that, yeah, Bomberman was absolutely a great variant to play on those old TI-83s. Yeah, I had, uh, I had Yoshi Cookie. And I remember oh, it, yeah. it bugged out on me once. And I it, I basically was, like, given infinite uh, freedom to get a high score without it, like, you know, act like it, the, the pieces stopped moving so I could just move them individually. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I had this, like, high score that just destroyed anything anyone else near me had. It was, like, a total cheat, but I embraced it. But I actually, I really tried to go down a rabbit hole of this for like a Game Informer feature. I remember talking about it with oh, Wade yeah. Logic and Reeves and because we we realized that we both grew up on like three corners of the United States but we knew games on the TI-83 but the only way to sort of trade those games was, was with like direct contact with someone who already had it. Yeah. And I, I tried to email Texas Instruments to try to like figure out where these games started and like you know pursue a feature never heard anything back never even really got out the first step but like i think that's really fascinating how i growing up in south carolina and you growing up in minnesota both like have familiarity with like ti-83 calculator games well i mean you could like install them from the computer right i'm trying to remember how i got you could plug them into the computer somehow and and install okay yeah weird random games it was called the internet kyle is how we all had the same things i think (laughs) Was that the Information WWW Superhighway? Yeah, yeah, those yeah. were those were like the graphing calculators. Yeah, but like I remember there was a, there was a surprise. I hope it would age well, but I remember like the version of Mario and the calculator was like this is surprisingly fast and solid. Tetris was awesome. Drug Wars, of course, for the smart, simmy, cool kids. 
Um, yeah, anyways, fight Elmo took yeah. on Elmo in that one, right? <laughs> yeah. I Although, like that, TI TI83 was definitely like the first instance of like, if you want to take this class, you have to buy this calculator, mm -hmm. and they were like, they're like eighty dollars. And that was my first experience with like, that's messed up. I don't have a job. Like I I don't like I I need this for this class. <laughs> Look, man, you want to play Mario or not? I, it's not even like college where I have to, you know, I'm choosing to go here. It's like this is the, like the federally mandated thing I have to do <laughs> is spend $80 to buy this uh, graphing calculator that I'm never going to use other than like, hey, like pass it down to the next person who needs that class. It's just like I'll sell it to you for $56, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, school was weird. School's weird. Uh, <laughs> GoFish writes in and says, Hey, everybody, not to kiss too much butt, but in this, I'm sorry for not trimming this out. He says, But Ben's PopCap oral history video was an amazing listen uh, that everyone should check out and share around, by the way. Hearing about the development philosophy, the changing environment, crazy stories, and the highs and lows of PopCap as a studio was awesome, but there wasn't too much talk about the games themselves. Do the cohorts have a favorite PopCap game? I'd love to hear what it is and why it's Insane Aquarium. I hadn't played Insane Aquarium until I was getting B-roll for that. And it turns out it's surprisingly cool. <laughs> Click on fish and then Xenomorph just busts through and starts wrecking your stuff. It's, it's fun. By the way, I want to echo the, the commenter. Like, I finished it. Wow. Really fantastic work, man. Like, Thank it, you. It was really engaging throughout. Like, I, I admit I was, kind of, I was intimidated by that runtime because it's like three hours. Four but, but who's like, counting? Yeah. I was. I didn't want to stop listening. I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah. So uh, if you missed this, it's uh, the oral history of PopCap. It's, I mean, the most thorough look at that studio's history. It's a bunch of different interviews all cut together. Um, some people call it a documentary. I paused because it's like the video version. There's jump cuts. It's more just intercutting everybody's story to tell one larger story of what it was like within PopCap. But it was really fun to do. And so yeah, I'm proud of that thing. Um, as Taylor Swift said. This is me trying. Like that was that's really no. me trying to swing to be like, hey, here's the most in-depth version of, you know, one of the most influential studios of all time in their history. And so I'm glad that certain folks found it and enjoyed it. Um, but uh Popcap. Oh, and by the way, if you support us on Patreon, you can unlock the podcast version of the oral history of Popcap, which I think is the way to go. Just listen to it as a podcast. But anyways, yeah, yeah favorite I mean, Oh yeah. To answer the question, it's it's Peggle by like a mile for me. I would say I mean, Peggle Knights, but that's just the one I that I played. Yeah, yeah so. I, guess, I guess I kind of wrapped Peggle up into a kind of a broad umbrella, yeah. although I didn't love two, but like it was one of those games that I even people that weren't big gamers that I was friends with, I'd be like, look, this is like this is the second coming of Ted. Like you have to play Peggle. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I love Peggle. That would have been a slam dunk, but it's so basic. But uh, the idea of like Bejeweled, Bejeweled Blitz has just grown and grown in my life where now I think that is my go to love affair, even if, uh, you know, the iOS version of it is just a nightmare like it's barely running there's pop-up ads all over the place it's an abomination so many of those pop gap games and that's you know what they talk about at the end of the dock is just kind of the sad state of not just not cranking out new versions of those games but not updating the old ones the fact that plants vs. zombies one is not on switch is absurd but as they explain it's like well that was built in c and they all work in unity now so i don't even know if anybody can work with that old code that's still at PopCap anymore. So it's kind of just left to die. Um, unless it's not, please make it happen, PopCap. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Janet, are you a PopCap person? Have you played any of their games? No, I like weirdly have missed like all of them, which Ooh, is kind wow. of impressive. Yeah. It's just one of my uh, gaps, I guess. I just never like, it was such a phenomenon, but I just never had like, it just never reached me. So I, I hadn't gotten around to it, but I've been wanting to do like Plants vs. Zombies stuff forever because like, I mean, everyone talks about those games. Yeah, like, jump still. into the first one on um, Steam. You'd have a great time, for sure. Yeah, so I'll get around to it. Yeah, uh, Aaron T. writes in and says, Hey, cohorts, it's the game you've all been waiting for. 
Balin Wonder World or Super Mario World? Below are six perfect perfect 10 user reviews from Metacritic. It's up to you to guess whether the review is for Balin Wonder World or Super Mario World. Very good. Okay, Aaron writes in with this quote, perfect 10, score in Metacritic from the user. Holy F! Never in my life have I seen a game more deserving of the elusive 10 out of 10. Absolute masterpiece. Is that Balin Wonder World? Okay. Janet, guess yeah, you want to you just all, all vote, I guess? Right? I guess let's go around the horn. Yeah, Janet, you think this is Balin Wonder World? Also, this is going to be one of those things where they're all one game, right? <laughs> like, uh, please don't. Believe it or not, that is Balin Wonder World for a user review. All right, Serial. It, it's vague enough where I actually was going to go Wonder World as well. If they had called out any mechanic of any kind, <laughs> I would have been like... It was a swear no. that made me think it was Wonder yep. World. Uh, Serial. Is this Balan Wonder World or Super Mario World? The only two worlds, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're both in the new Space Jam, by the way. They fly by yeah. both. Um, anyways, in uh, Outriders, they ride to the Balan Wonder World to mm-hmm. escape Super Mario World. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they say the very many creative worlds feels fantastic to control, beautiful graphics, first game to have blank. When I play this game, I'm ready to have a smile on my face for one hour. <laughs> And one hour only. Uh, I'm gonna guess Super Mario World. That is Super Mario World. Congratulations, uh, Kyle. Wait, what's the What's the sensor? What did you? Uh, Yoshi. There? First game to have Yoshi. Oh, okay. Uh, Kyle, the puzzles are confusing a bit, and some levels are Nintendo hard, but don't affect the game that much. Well, that's gotta be Balan Wonder World, I think, right? That's Super Mario World for oh, a ten out of ten review. Don't be weird. Okay. Confused. Um, a Nintendo hard to be to use to describe an Nintendo yeah. game is very strange to me. All right, Janet, here's as hard as Dark Souls. Uh, <laughs> I say about Dark Souls. Exactly. <laughs> also, Nintendo hard is that is that hard or is that not that, hard? That's like, hard. Does it mean anything? I guess that's like old Nintendo would be hard, and the new yeah. Nintendo. Right? Like, who knows what that means? It averages to the <laughs> middle. Um, all right, Janet. This game contains some truly unique charm that rarely I see in today's games. I can see the way that the development intent to make when they make this, and I like what they've done here. Good job. Wonderworld. <laughs> Hang on. Janet, let me finish. <laughs> good, <No. laughs> good job and good game. <laughs> Are you done? You're done. What is it? Okay. Wonderworld. That is Wonderworld, correct. Okay. Uh, and Serial for the last one. How much are desperate the haters? <laughs> this feels like it's been translated through multiple things. How much are desperate the haters? This game is much better than any ridiculous platforms games today. Mm, I'm going to say Balan Wonder World. That is a Balan Wonder World. Correct, Amundo. Thank you, Aaron yeah, T. Not for a lot of Mario World haters. <laughs> but how much desperate are they? If you really think about it. Uh, all right. What do y'all like for a question of the week? Uh, I liked your Thin Mints joke. Yep. That was really I could take the Old Man's Journey vinyl soundtrack, I guess. I like the drive-through question. Well, okay. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, there's the timeless question. I like that. The sitting down, making people play an old game. I like the ranking, the RPG, satisfying thing. Accessory trivia. Balan Wonder World, Mario World's pretty good. Surreal. I kind of like Balan I, and Mario. Yeah, I, I think it's either Balan Wonderworld or the drive-through one. Those are my two. Okay, Janet, your final call. The drive-through one. Drive-through. There Yay. we go. Congratulations. Everyone's been to the drive-through. Not everyone's played those two games. So. It's regrettable. 
Um, although they Wait, still, on, but you don't drive the drive through. I've through it though. Oh, you've you like, been there. Okay, you I've, been, I've it. gone <laughs> into the area. The food has. We've gotten the food and we've gone home. Uh, that is Stephen Lamson. Congratulations! I am eight bit. will ship out uh, that vinyl soundtrack from the wonderful online store. Thanks so much to I am eight bit for doing that. Um, now it's time for something we like to call "Get a Load of This." Um, Serial, whose do you want to hear the most? Uh, I'd like to hear Janet's. Oh, interesting. Okay. So for, oh, get a load of this. Oh, thank God. All right. Nailing it. Um, <laughs> mine is, uh, I think it was like last week, someone got their final paycheck and all Orly pennies as like a final FU to the person. <laughs> and they were finally able to actually cash it out via Coinstar. Coinstar came through. They had a wheelbarrow full of the pennies and they turned it into cash. Wow. That's good. That's good. There's a link below for all these stories. That's fantastic. Um, let's see. This is from the community. Uh, Leafion over there in the Discord. We have a Discord you get access to if you support us any tier on Patreon. That's where you play Trivia Tower, all that other stuff. Um, but in that Discord, there's a channel for Get a Load of This. And Leafion submitted this uh, tweet from Gigaboots saying, A song in Balan Wonderworld is a beat-for-beat beat knockoff of a Ghostbusters song, and it's absolutely hilarious. Give it a listen. So here's the song from Balan Wonderworld. Just in case your memory isn't that great, here's here's the Ghostbusters song. Uh, I'll play this ad. The ad's showing, looks like Paul Rudd in a grocery store poking <laughs> at a bag and being attacked by little minion Stay Puft Marshmallow mm. guys. It seems pretty interesting. Uh, okay, so here's the Ghostbusters soundtrack. <laughs> Don't know what movie it's for, but it looks cool. <laughs> a little slower. It's at different notes there. Different notes there. But of all the, uh, like, it's weird to, I mean, it's inspired, certainly, but of all the things to steal from, you think, like, the Ghostbusters soundtrack, there's been so much drama about the legal rights to Ghostbusters music and they need a new drug, like, seems like a weird call. Anyways, uh, Kyle, what's your get a load of this? Uh, hey guys, get a load of this. I've been reaching, uh, reaching? I've been reading Alex Aniel, friend of the show's book, uh, Itchy Tasty and Unofficial History of Resident Evil, yeah. which I've been enjoying. Uh, this is early on, but this was a tidbit that I wasn't aware of. Maybe this is common knowledge. I don't know. But um, they were talking about how Mega Man was a decent success and Street Fighter 2 is huge. Um, but they were kind of like still trying to figure out what to do in terms of sequels. And like they were and, you know, this is kind of Resident Evil was in development. They weren't really sure how to go forward. They weren't sure if Street Fighter 2 was just going to like be able to carry them through everything. Uh, let's see. And this is, you know, okay, so this I'll just read from the book. Meanwhile, game development costs were rising due to the advent of 3D games, which required longer development times and more personnel. Many Capcom employees assumed the company would eventually go bankrupt. Luckily for Capcom, in 1990, its then-CEO, Kenzo Tsujimoto, purchased an area of land in California's Napa Valley that was famous for its red wine vineyards, both to pursue his interest in wine and as a personal investment. The income from this investment apparently helped Capcom stay in business through what? the mid-1990s. I had, did you, I had never heard that That's before. That's amazing. Apparently, 
a, a wine vineyard in vineyard, uh, vineyard in, in California helped Resident Evil finish development. Yeah, Resident Evil wine when though? <laughs> That's a great yeah. question. Yeah, I mean, or like everyone wanted that chalice not. from the uh, the demo. Like oh, that'd be a perfect uh, yeah. tie-in. That's smart. Yeah. Um, do they but, talk uh, yeah, about? I've been enjoying the book. It's uh, it's cool. It's it's the nice thing about Alex is he speaks Japanese and English, so it's yeah. really nice to be able to hear quotes from developers without having that layer of a translator in the middle and they seem a lot right. more casual and like open to talk to him just about weird things like california vineyards and how capcom almost collapsed as a result you know hey am i out of my it's vineyards right it's vineyards, it's vineyards. Okay. Yeah, it's vineyards. yeah i'm not sure i'm not a wine person, it's not kyle so. heilyard anyways um <laughs> it's true but uh it could be it could be if you really wanted to do they talk in that book about i remember Oda, who was the director for Mega Man 11, talking to him and he blew our minds when we visited the studio where we're talking about his history and then he casually mentioned like, yeah, I was working on Resident Evil back on uh, the Super Nintendo for a while. I was like, Wait, what? Like, the fact that it started its development back then, do they talk about that at all? They talk about Sweet Home a lot. Okay, that was like, yeah, um, the spiritual precursor, but then he yeah, said that they were like started. That's what put a lot of the ideas in place for Resident Evil. Right. But that I don't know. I actually, huh. they, he goes to that early stuff pretty quickly. Okay. That sort of sweet home pre Resident Evil one era. Right. And I don't right. off the top of my head. I don't, I don't think he does, but huh. I could be, I could have, it could have just been like a sentence or two and I brushed past it. Sure. But yeah, we wrote an article about it back at game Informer. You can find that if you want to hear what he told us about Resident Evil on the Super Nintendo. Um, uh, oh, I pulled up communities already. Um, hey, get a load of this. Um, fresh air. Who doesn't love fresh air in NPR? I listen to a lot of fresh air. Terry Gross, I want your job. Give me your freaking job, Terry. Retire, Terry. Anyways, the point is um, she had um, an episode recently that was about birds and migrating birds. And it was one of those in my podcast queue where I'm like, I guess I'll listen to this. It was <laughs> fascinating. Like, it's one of those things that you learn about as a kid and then you don't pay attention to enough of just how wild it is for the migrating birds around the world and the fact that they're spending 16 days straight flying across the ocean without stopping. And one of the crazy things is apparently some migrating birds have these genes where before their migration, uh, they will just get swole. <laughs> like they just muscle mass, just like just builds up and like they quadruple their muscle mass right before they have to make that flight. And it's crazy. And so he brought up like, yeah, obviously like we're looking into like understanding that gene because the idea of like with zero exercise, you can just get in the rhythm of this time of year. I'm just going to get super muscular. Like that's amazing. And people don't really know how it works, but it's an interesting interview. And there's a link below if you're interested. Um, Surreal, you got one? Yeah, uh, this is uh, a tweet that blew up earlier this week uh, from at Hey Nice Job Still uh, and get a load of this. He posts... <laughs> Uh, we should start <laughs> quoting the character select screen from this unlicensed bootleg mobile game from the Cayman Islands, the way we did <laughs> with Step Brothers and Anchorman. And it is like, I don't know, I don't even know what the game is, but the character select screen just has a bunch of Nintendo characters and other and games from like Capcom and like basically a bunch of uh, uh, copyrighted characters. Yeah. But like, I guess they went back and did like, you know, kind of um, fighting game-esque, like each character has a quote when you highlight them. But I th I think they all do the voice, like they don't rip the samples from the games directly. I think it's voice actors doing either like procedurally generated quotes or just like them doing translated quotes. So like, I'm going to send you a few here through oh boy. Slack. Uh, so this is the one for Donkey Kong. <laughs> when you highlight Donkey Kong on the select screen. Well, we all know what Donkey Kong sounds like, Surreal. 
Yeah. Have a banana butter pie? Do you have a banana butter pie? Do you have a banana butter pie? Rosalina? Uh-huh. Okay, Rosalina. A banana see. butter pie? Is that what Yeah. Do you? Your friend is waiting for you in the garage. <laughs> Your friend is waiting for you in the garage. Is that threat? And this is Wario. Okay. That's not funny, you idiot! That's not <laughs> funny, you idiot! Fantastic. So there's, a, there's a whole long video of just those quotes that you should you should definitely watch. That's perfect. I think Lynx is like, I don't talk very... Yeah, I don't like talking very much. Yeah, I, I th um, <laughs> Donkey had a video about it. Yeah, another one of Lynx was him saying, watch out, I'm shooting an arrow at you. Or it's like, what? <laughs> What's going on? Anyways, uh, link below. Um, all right, thanks so much, everybody, for submitting some gets a loads of this in the Discord. We appreciate it. Um... Let's see what's going on this week. On Friday, we have a new episode of Crossfade going up. It's our standalone music podcast, not found in the Patreon podcast feed, but on your favorite podcast app, uh, hosted by Matt Helgeson. And he is over the moon. He has been so excited about this episode, and it actually happened. It actually was recorded, but it's with Matt Sweeney, who is the guitarist and producer known for Skunk, Chavez, Zwan, and maybe particularly to this audience, he did a lot of guitar work on Red Dead Redemption 2 soundtrack, specifically the house building song. Uh, and so the house building EP is how that whole thing was lined up. Uh, so if you want to hear Matt Sweeney and some good talk about the soundtrack to Red Dead Redemption 2 and a whole lot more, you can subscribe to Crossfade on our favorite po on your favorite podcast app. We appreciate it. Also, any help, you know, watching, sharing the oral history of PopCap is appreciated. It's a a big whole thing. So if you appreciate a very, very thorough inside look into the rise and fall um, of a game studio, you can check out the oral history of PopCap on Max's YouTube channel and just subscribe to the YouTube channel in any way you'd like. Um, anybody else have something they want to plug? Uh, my Outriders review will be going up on Polygon sometime this week, hopefully. Cool. So make sure to check that out. Yeah. Janet, what do you got going on? Uh, this Friday, I'm going to be playing Oddworld Soulstorm, and now I'm scared. So see what it's like to play that game not knowing what that game is like. Uh, I play games so you don't have to. Twitch.tv backslash GameOnesis. Sweet. There we go. Uh, and again, a reminder, Trivia Tower is happening on Monday, April 12th at 7 p.m. Central. If you have been learning about games for a long time, arguably your whole life, how about you get something out of it? How about you win some prizes? You can win game codes for a lot of different games from Ubisoft, Capcom, some indie games in there as well, and you can win an Asteroid 50 headset. Um, and it's just a, a fun time to join the community, join the Discord, and so the entire thing happens in the Discord. Definitely let me know. You can tweet at me or leave a comment on YouTube or any other way if you're confused about how Trivia Tower works, but basically support us at any tier on Patreon, even the $2 tier, even just for one month, you get access to the Discord, and then that is where the competition takes place. And so may the best community member win it should be a fun time um hey janet do you have slack open yes i sent you a list of everybody who supports at the 50 dollars tier would you want to run down the list and thank all those wonderful people oh yeah absolutely uh thanks to the following patreon supporters for their generous support of minmax at the 50 dollars tier you can get your name on the list at patreon.com backslash minmax that's minmax with two and uh, shout outs to I am 8-Bit, Rainmaker.gg, another Eden on Steam, uh, Mirko Arico Torino, Moonface Nick, Zachary Pil mm, Plige, I think, Pliggy, maybe, I think. maybe not. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, beaten Down Brian, uh, Jar Jaw War Hero, Mark Saliga, Ludwig Rogue, Andrew Yerkwitz, prettygoodprinting.com, 
Ian T. Clark, Andrew Valla, Cameron Wardlaw, Yarrow, Alex Payne, Clint Farley, Spiral in Your Eyes, Richard Smuts, Spider underscore Dan, Pretham, Yar, Yarolgolda. That's probably not right. Steve Bam Dad, Starkiller, Clayton Myers, uh, Slick Nick, Jesse Vitelli, and Serious ser- Super Serious Sam. Apologies to anyone whose name <laughs> I just butchered. And again, thank you for your support over on Patreon. That's awesome. Thanks so much, everybody. And thanks for watching or listening and for sharing Min Max. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Be good, have fun. Let's go. Let's go.